Hello, how about this? I hear you. That's good. I don't hear the background. Excellent. So, John John Linville is trying to call. Okay, is that John Linville calling you guys? All right. System level set at five. Skype is on automatic. Well, you're. I I would take Skype off of automatic and and start manually. Nah, (laughs) because uh, it doesn't work. Okay. Well, the background noise is less annoying at this point. Hey, John Linville. Greetings. Oh, wow. <laughs> Are you broadcasting from an AM radio somewhere in an underground bunker? <laughs> just heading out on an errand. All right. I was just wondering if he was hamming it up on ham radio or something there. So. Yeah, it's very distorted, too. CQ, CQ. <laughs> All right, so let's go over to let's go, well it's it's already twelve o'clock, so we got to get ready to go live. So can somebody have the um, Steve Bamford video queued up and ready to show on screen share when we get to that point? Did you find um, that, Grant? Yeah, I did. All right, all right. I've got a queued too, so in case. Excellent. Yeah, Grant will have better bandwidth for it, so unless something goes wrong. Okay. So all right. Okay, okay. Well, just wait, before where? I, uh, how do I share my screen when that comes up? Just out of curiosity. You, you click on plus. Let's try it now. Click on plus on Skype. Okay. Take up. Do, do share screens and pick to the monitor you want to do. All there right. You you we see it. And how I that's, kill it. And then that's you the flag and bird, though. Yeah, Is that, that the. That, that's, that's the flag and bird one. You want the new one. That's the Ichi Uchi, whatever the hell it's called. It's a Japanese okay. name. But yeah, that's the that's the general idea there. Then you will click on the plus again to to hit stop sharing. You also want to sh- click on share system sound when you do that too. So when you click on the plus, there's two options. One will say share screen. One will say share system sound. Okay. Click click on Bosco's name and see if you can find his other video. It's probably this one here, which you guys are talking about. There that's you go. that's okay. the one. Okay. That's the one. So get rid of that one. All right. So now we still see you. But we also see the screen that you're sharing. Holy crap! What do you do? Do you have your camera set on follow my face? Because you got really small and zoomed out. <laughs> Probably is. I have to change it. No, that's fine. I just it was I'm like, how are you doing that? <laughs> but the, com- <laughs> the computer's doing it, right? All right. So turn that off and go back to camera. And at this point here, we just gotta we gotta go live because it's time to start the show. Um, Grant, do you have a newbie question, or is it just going to be um, the tech segment with the uh, Nitrous Nine ease of use update? Uh, we will just, uh, well, I'll just ask a quick question what Poke and Peek is. That was something I was wanting to know. Okay. Because David, I see that, I see you guys talk about Poke and Peek all the time, and I have no clue what that is. Because okay. uh, uh, in addition to that, though, I'd like Grant to be part of the tech, and we'll make it a tech slash newbie thing, because this whole easy use thing is for newbies, so I'd like to have him to contribute the new, newbie side of things. Okay, you've been, you've, have you worked, have you seen the alpha? Have you Grant? seen the yeah. numbers? You've yeah, seen I the have, ease of yeah. use alpha. Okay, so you've got two cents to add to that. All right, and then I so have uh, I have all of the Thanksgiving bumpers queued up, so we'll run those. Maybe I don't know. Should we run those up front? Yeah, run towards the end. Mm, all right, so so let's just go over the 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 um, the outline one more time. So we have our intro video. I'm going to introduce the panel. We're going to talk about the topic this week is uh, you know Thanksgiving wrap up uh, as well as the um, nitrous nice nitrous nine ease of use update project update we'll introduce the uh, panel 
When asked about project updates and acquisitions, be prepared to mention something short and sweet. Um, we will get into the viewer feedback. I'm going to run two commercials. One's going to be um, Bruce Moore's. Uh, hopefully these are in order too, so I'm not sure what order the video playlist is going to go in. But I've got Bruce Moore's new commercial for the Forest of Doom contest. And we'll plug the fact that we're going to do that. We're going to draw that live on the air in December. Um, I have a pandering video clip that's going to mention um, support uh, the swag, blah, blah, blah. Then we'll get into the primary topic. And then we'll get into the segments. Well, the prime, in this case here, the primary topic and the segments are kind of one in the same. Uh, yeah. And then we'll plug Tandy Assembly. Not Tandy Assembly, but Coco Fest. Uh, and then our closing thoughts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so sound like we're, we're, sound about, we're about good to go? Yeah, we'll just follow your lead like usual. <laughs> All right, <laughs> so I'm starting a live stream. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball. And you're listening to Coco Talk. is Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer, with your host, Mr. Gameplay Goodness himself, Stevie Stroh. All right, everybody, welcome to Coco Talk episode... 35. How are we, everybody? Good. I like good. I like the new theme. Good. Yeah. yeah. Good. <laughs> Bruce Moore uh, has not disappointed us once again. Uh, welcome. And we are in episode 35. Today is November the 25th. This is Thanksgiving weekend. Technically, what is this? Uh, gray Saturday. We just left Black Friday. We're on Grave Saturday, sliding into Teal Sunday, and we wrap things up with Cyber Monday. I don't know all the color codes at this point. Uh, but we got a great panel for us. As always, on the show, we have Grant Leete. How are you today, Grant? Hey, doing pretty good. Live from the garage, we have Ron Delvaux of Ron's Garage. Hello, Ronnie. Uh, feel free to not acknowledge us at all, Ron. That's fine. Um, <laughs> all the way from down under, Nick Morantis. Nick, it's what is it? Two in the morning for you right now? Uh, yes, three, no, three a.m. Three a.m. Good day, and thanks for getting up early as always. Or did he um, stay up late? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> did he even go to bed? <laughs> we have uh, Mark Overholzer with us as well. Hello, Mark. Hello. From Boyson Technologies, Richard Lorbieski is with us. From the Great White North, we have two-thirds of the Nitrous Nine team, L, Curtis Boyle, and Bill Noble. How's it going, eh? Good, Good day. Good day, <laughs> eh? All the way from sunny California, Mr. Steve Bjork is with us. Hey, how's everybody doing? 
We're doing good. And last, but certainly not least, host of the Coco Crew podcast, the caretaker and coordinator of Retro Challenge and just all around cool guy and retro aficionado, Mr. John W. Linville. Thanks for joining us today, John, as well. Hey, yes, hello. Greetings, everyone. And by the way, great episode uh, 30 on uh, the Coco Crew podcast. I am still listening to it. Uh, I, I think I got up to the interview, so but I, I am using the pause button, and I do listen throughout the, throughout the week. I don't scrub; I just pause. I do consume the entire show. That's <laughs> good. That's good. Yeah, we thought this was a pretty good one with all the infocom content. Yeah, yeah. So uh, once again, thanks for for that and for all you do. Steve Powell is in the live chat. Um, and, uh, okay. So, uh, Paul Thayer's in the live chat saying he sent a, a request. I don't know if you see that grant. Yes, grant, I do. Okay. Grant is our Skype engineer. So Grant is managing Skype for us. We are, we're slowly becoming a very well produced and professional show here. Give us another 16, 17 years and we'll be halfway there folks. So, um, good, good, good times and good on you. So yeah, Thanksgiving, um, just came for those of us in the United States, uh, Canada had their Thanksgiving already. In October, uh, yep. Ron Klein says, hi, everyone. And Ron, you're welcome to join us. Uh, love to have you. And uh, and we did. I did reach out, and I asked people in the community to tell us what they were thankful for. And I'm going to run a couple of those now because there's a, a few of our regular uh, panel members who can't be with us today because of schedule obligations. So let's go ahead and run a couple of clips here. Um from some of our uh, Coco Talk panel members um, extending their Thanksgiving wishes. So sit back and relax. Hey guys, this is Bruce Moore, author of Forest of Doom. And uh, we Canadians have already had our Thanksgiving, but that doesn't mean we can't continue to be thankful. I'm very thankful for the uh, Coco community in particular. And you know, there's something else too. Uh, about three years ago, I started something which I call a gratitude journal. There's with so much negativity going on in the world and it seeps into us and you can end up looking at just all the negative stuff. And so three years ago when I started this journal, I started writing in it uh, practically daily. And would you believe today I filled it? This right here, this hardcover thing here has, has a total of 3,827 things for which I have said I am grateful over the last three years. And I gotta tell you, if I'm ever feeling blue or getting down about anything really, I could open this up, take a read, and it helps change my perspective from um, negativity towards thankfulness and gratitude. Hello, I am David Ladd, and here are a few things I am thankful for on this Thanksgiving Day. I'm thankful for God and His Son, Jesus Christ. I am thankful for my friends and family. I am thankful for the Coco community. I am thankful for the Coco Talk Live group and the pleasure it's been to be on the podcast. I'm also thankful for the Coco Crew podcast and all that they have also done as well. And I'm thankful for the blessing it's been to be in this country where I have the right to be able to express 
these thankful wishes. And I hope everyone watching has a happy and thanksgiving day. All right, well, there you have it. There's a couple of the panel there uh, giving their Thanksgiving wishes. Uh, a couple of people out there in the live chat right now. Ron Klein says hello. Stu Kenley says hi, everyone. Um, we have, uh, okay, why is my, what is making noise here? What, who's got, ah, the noise is killing me. Okay, Tom C says hello. So hello to everybody out there in the live chat. And who else just joined us right now? Paul Thayer has joined us. Hey, Paul, how you doing, guy? Hey, good. How's it going, everybody? Not bad. Thanks for joining us. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? It was great. Thank you. Yeah. Are you stuffed? Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I love the memes that you see on Thanksgiving Day, too. It's like, I just can't eat one more thing, but I've got room for pie. <laughs> <laughs> I can't fit any more food in here, but oh, there's pie. <laughs> It's such an American holiday where we just gorge, if you think about it. That is the American way, right? Um, so, yeah. So, we've got a lot to be thankful for. I think I'm definitely thankful for uh, having discovered the color computer community. I'm thankful for the cocoa, I would have to say. You know, um, cocoa, uh, for better or for worse, is why I am who I am today. <laughs> <laughs> And That's so some, we blame. Yes, someone <laughs> with a time machine might say, okay, Hitler, color computer, which one? <laughs> if we can go back in time and fix one mistake. Uh, <laughs> uh, and yeah, so that was cool. So everybody else, good Thanksgiving, things you're thankful for, all that kind of good stuff? I'm, I'm thankful that we celebrated our Canadian one in October before the snow hit, because right yeah. now there's a fair bit of snow outside, so... Excellent, excellent. And so on the uh, area of uh, project updates and acquisitions, who's got some stuff to share with us as far as what they've been working on recently? Well, Bill and I will be talking about it in more detail a bit later, so I won't give too much at this point, but uh, we do have an update on the uh, Nitrous 9 Ease of Use project. So, Yay! <laughs> Is that the... Uh, hold on one second here. Is that the... Uh, the ease of use edition you, there? You yeah. betcha. <laughs> Sorry, Grant, go ahead. Uh, I've also been working on the uh, Nitrous 09 uh, ease of use project and uh, also did the uh, uh, Coco SDC upgrade as well. So I got that all set up and now working on the Coco Pie. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, uh, anybody else? All right, don't everybody speak at once. Okay, I'll show you real quick. Um, I just got this in yesterday, but this is my Richard Lorbieski design. This is the SCART cable to Coco 3 Doohickey. So that came in yesterday. I haven't had a chance to hook it up yet, but I'm definitely looking forward to having my Coco 3 connected again because I have not been able to use it since Tandy Assembly because my, uh, my S-Video adapter just stopped working on me. So now hopefully I have a way to get it connected to my PC and be able to see it and record it and all that good stuff so that's been a little bit of a thorn in my side so um i'd also like to throw out that i am thankful for the fact that i've got good internet now <laughs> <laughs> i think we're all thankful for that <laughs> what a nightmare that has been with trying to stream and with bandwidth and you name it uh anybody else have any um project updates acquisitions they want to talk about this week 
All right, we'll assume that's a no. So real quick, let's look at um, some of our numbers right now. This is impressive now. We've actually gotten not only over 3,000 downloads, we're in the 3,200 download area right now. Um, that's impressive. On um, This is just on the podcast, you know, so we are averaging about 100 downloads per weekly episode right here. We can see it here, 133, 129. So we're, we're kind of getting there. I'm actually really um, um, happy about that. And uh, in our most recent episode, which was just released um, yesterday, Black Friday, we've already gotten 41 downloads on the episode 34 with special guest host Grant Leedy. And um, we've also had somewhere in the neighborhood of about 100 views between the live stream and the replay. So it's kind of cool that um, people are watching the show, listening to the show. Um, that is much appreciated. Uh, and I don't know if anybody has noticed any anything right now by watching the show. But, uh, you know, we've been working on some internal discussions on uh, to make the show a little better, you know, kind of tweak it, polish it, make it look a little nicer, hopefully run a little smoother. And so this is the first draft in that new stay on target version of Coco Talk. Stay on target. So we're going to try to keep the show lean and mean and moving for you. And so, yeah, I'm thankful for that, too. I'm thankful for the community who um, listens to our show every week. So on that note, why don't we take a quick commercial break and then we will be right back with our main segment of the show, people. Greetings, YouTubers. Atari Leaf here, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's me, it's Original Gamer Stevie Stroh, and welcome to a brand new segment of the show that we call the Pandering Segment. And this is where we ask you to help support our efforts by checking out our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com, where you can grab yourself a coffee mug like this, or maybe like this, or maybe one of the even cool new deluxe travel mugs, possibly even a DVD featuring some gameplay goodness. All of the proceeds that we get from the Retro Swag Shop go right back into the production and hosting costs of the show, as well as compensating the artist Joel Adams, who designs all these cool things for us. So consider supporting our endeavors by picking yourself up a piece of merchandise from 8bit256.com. On top of that, if you'd really like to help out the show on a long-term basis, we've got a brand new Patreon site where you can support us with regular contributions. And you can visit us there at patreon.com slash OGSteviestrow. However, we'll keep it real simple. Visit us on the web at cocotalk.live and you can get all the information there. And while you're there, why not send us an email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear some feedback from you, some suggestions for future show ideas and topics, and maybe even submit a segment or bumper yourself. This show wouldn't be anything without you, and we appreciate all of your support. All right, there goes the shameful plug part. And what I was concerned about was the um, the one I was supposed to have come up first was Bruce Moore's new um, trailer for Forest of Doom in the updated contest. And, and Bruce couldn't be here. So I'm going to go ahead and pull that up and show that one too. And so anybody want to um, kind of explain that for a second while I go ahead and grab the video? <laughs> <laughs> well, basically because the first contest of the first winner to get the mug kind of got a little bit unfair because there was such wide delivery dates 
Um, basically, some people had already won the game by the time, you know, a week later is when some other people finally got their book in the in the mail. So he's decided to do a second contest uh, with a long lead time to give people time to get the book and play the game and make it a bit more fair. And he's having a, another contest now, a second one, to uh, kind of make it fair for everybody to be able to get a chance to win some uh, Force to Doom swag. There you go. And here's the commercial. Many have tried. Few have succeeded. Can you defeat the forest of doom? Send your proof of victory before December 16 to fod at gracenote.ca for your chance to win the Chalice of Bravery. The Chalice of Bravery. What do you think about that? Many. That is pretty cool. And um, that was mentioned on the host discussion this month on the Coco Crew podcast, too. The many different ways to distribute a game. And what's what's most important? Game. <laughs> I think, the game, right? Yeah. Good rule of thumb is have the game not suck. Uh, and then how you want to package it is kind of up to you. And I guess that's kind of a harsh statement, not suck, but you know what I mean? Um, the, it's, it's, it's the, it's the program that counts, right? And, you know, as long as you like your program and as long as, you know, focus on that, I think that's pretty good. But I did, I did like that discussion and it's pretty exciting that we live in a time when there are many ways to distribute new software, you know? Yeah. I think it's and there's been such a variety of releases uh, of games lately with different packaging and different promotions and stuff too, which is nice. Everybody's experimenting. Yep. Yeah. How's the old saying go? You got to throw a bunch of stuff out the wall and see what sticks, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm a big favor of the ROM cartridge too. I'm a big fan of that when, when possible. And Paul's here. Um, and so Timber, speaking of new software, uh, Timberman's another one. How's, how's Timberman coming, Paul? Sorry, I didn't hit the mute button in time there. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> I'm shipping it out, and uh, Simon's working on uh, hosting a site for uh, download to be able to be <coughs> distributed to the people who purchased it before it's delivered in the in the mail. So excellent, excellent. And what was the um, what was the vast majority of people's preference to get it? Did everybody want the package with the uh, printed manual and the uh, SD card and everything? Yeah, so far, yeah. Mm -hmm. I got a couple people who just wanted the uh, email package, and then one person wanted the uh, free download with no manual or anything. So okay, so you gave you gave choices, and um, that's yeah, that's, that's an interesting way to do it too. Yeah. You know? Well, this time I gave choices because um, you know uh, it's a it's a clone of a game for one, so it was more of a donation base to kind of help us. Uh, keep making some software. So, Paul, I have a question for you. Are you going to be at Coco Fest this year? Uh, my brother Tim and I are talking about being there. Yeah, he's hoping okay. to have some uh, new card games ready for uh, display there. So, I was going to hold off buying it uh, actually until you guys are there, so I can get an autograph copy, of course. Oh, well, that's that's awesome. Thank you. I, so I was going to do that, that for, for uh, Rick Adams' game too. I'm going to, if you guys are both there, I'll, I'll buy both and get them autographed at the same time. Yeah, we're planning on being there. I'm not sure where I'll be on my uh, next project by that point, but hopefully, maybe it'll be done. Who knows? 
<laughs> I'll guarantee you a sale, so you have some reason to come. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Well, and it'd be nice to meet some people who were not there the last time I went, so that'll be really cool. Excellent, excellent. Um, in the live chat, Steve Powell is asking, does anyone know of documentation to add a fan to the Coco 2 or 3? I'm assuming he's talking about like a heating fan, a cooling fan um, to help yeah. you know, ventilate the system. Yes. And anybody have any uh, knowledge to share on that? Well, Bill, you installed ours at works. What did you do? <laughs> uh, basically, I just tapped into the, uh, the power system uh, using just a straight 5-volt fan. And Steve, does that answer your question? <laughs> just a straight five volt. Say that again. Five volt fan. A like straight you can five get that volt little, fan. Get that Pull directly off. Directly off the power fan. supply. No, not directly off the power supply. I actually just tied it into uh, a couple of tie points on the actual motherboard that produced the five volts. <laughs> okay. Well, don't mo don't most motherboards have these little pins sticking up where you can just plug a fan connection right to it? The newer one. Yeah. <laughs> You're thinking this century. <laughs> oh, okay. My bad. <laughs> yeah, back in the Google days, we just took a big house fan and just aimed it right over your head. To yeah, right. Up. Yeah, I, I remember yeah. reading an article in Rainbow one time saying, "Why, why is everybody worried about uh, putting a LED on your thing? I've just got my cocoa plugged into a power strip, and I've got a lamp on the power strip, so I know when the thing is on." <laughs> That's the poor man's uh, power <laughs> indication right there. So, but on a Coco uh, 2 and even a 3, if you want to throw a fan on, be careful about how much juice you pull because if you are like running with a Y cable, so you got several cartridges coming off that Coco power supply, you got your joysticks plugged in, you got other devices, you're, you could tax that power supply real easy. Hmm. So perhaps uh, that might be a little project, a little externally power-sourced cooling system for the Coco. Yeah, unfortunately, the Coco 2 and 3, the power output was just barely enough to uh, uh, drive just internal peripherals uh, that the Tandy had supplied. It didn't. It's not really friendly for uh, third-party peripherals at all, or add-ons. Yeah, when I was developing stuff for Tandy, there was definitely a spec on how much power you could pull off the cartridge connector. Mm. That would explain why Disto and others, like the one meg upgrade, had its own separate power supply, a little block brick that you plugged into the wall and then plugged into the one meg upgrade. Yeah, power is finite, I, I take it. Well, hopefully yeah, that helps you out so. a little. Hope, hopefully that helps you out just a little bit. Yeah, he, so he says I may just go with an external wall wart. Yeah, can't go wrong there. Um, on the bottom of the screen is some subliminal advertising here for the Retro Swag Shop. And the only reason why I, I want to mention this is that I don't control the prices or the promotions, but they actually happen to be running a, a promotion right now. The company that makes the t-shirts and the coffee mugs and all that kind of stuff. Um, there is a promo code right now for the holiday weekend. So uh, uh, November 24th through the 27th, if you use a promo code SALE2017, you can get 20% off t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, things like that. So that's kind of cool. So when those things happen, I'll be sure to share them. And I've really been enjoying this um, deluxe travel mug here that <laughs> says Coco Talk on it because uh, 
You know, all the ladies like this. Everywhere I go, the ladies are like, ooh, where'd you get that mug? <laughs> Actually, I have to admit, today I was out shopping this morning after I fed my dad, and I was, I'm was i wearing my Coco Fest shirt, and I actually got complimented on it by one of the cashiers at Canadian Tire, believe it or not. Oh. Canadian Didn't have a clue what it was or what it was about, but she, she said it definitely, <laughs> the green screen, she said, really struck out. She had yeah. trouble concentrating on what I was trying to buy. <laughs> Nuclear what was the t-shirt that uh, David was wearing in his thank you uh, Thanksgiving? Yeah, I was wondering that too. It looks kind of like the Coco character, but it's slightly different too. We'll have yeah, to I was wondering me. if that was one of Joel Adams' designs or if that was something else. No, it's something else. That's that's a David Ladd uh, original there. Yeah, David Ladd original. <laughs> it would have been nice to see the graphic really well if he had got out that iron. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah. shouldn't we be calling him Sir David Ladd? Sir David Ladd, yes, Richard. Hey, Richard, I don't know if you were here before for the announcement, but your SCART cable came in. I got it yesterday. Um, I have not had a chance to plug it in yet, but I have it. It looks very well made. So uh, thanks for getting that out to me. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the, yeah. the only the only problem is I ran out of black uh, shrink tubing, so I had to go with the uh, blue uh, on that. So. Okay. If you you see the slight color, that that was because I ran out of shrink tubing. Okay. Do you have nuclear okay. green color to kind of like <laughs> be cocoa themed? Oh, I, I I got all kinds of colors, but uh, the internal cables when I hook uh, uh, hook them all up uh, inside the SCART cable, like the uh, red, blue, green uh, for the uh, RGB, I have that color coded. It's it's all color coded, so people yeah. can look at the cable and know have an idea what what uh, what goes where. Okay. Unlike component where they made a duplicate red wire, wasn't it? One for audio, one for video, just to confuse right. normal people. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah you use the proper colors in this one, right? So yellow is video, red and white is audio? Right. Okay. Yeah. And then and black is ground and, and so on and so forth. But like I said, when if you opened up the SCART cable itself, you could see that it's all color-coded. Most, most people, when they put... Uh, solder in the the connectors. They don't put any kind of insulation in there at all. But I, I just like to be neat and you know tidy and kind of and, uh, and over engineer it a little bit too. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Is there such a thing as over engineering? <laughs> Never. Yeah, over engineering is like saying like 640k ought to be enough for anybody. That's that's yeah okay. It's not that's even enough on a cocoa anymore. I want one or two meg or eight meg or. 1.21 gigawatts. <laughs> That's for the fan. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's going to need more than 5 volts on that one there. So separate power supply or bolt of lightning uh, not included. Enough, enough <laughs> uh, power for the fan so that I actually can launch the cocoa right off your desk. <laughs> become a drone. Hey, I want to right. get one of, one of uh, those propeller hats that Grant's wearing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's got its own separate power supply take it too right <laughs> he's got a fancy one it's even variable speed oh man so i tell you what I, i'm i'm really looking forward to nick marionette's take on the uh ease of use nitrous nine distribution as well uh is is nick marionette's with us today uh well i i can be his uh alter ego today yes. um <laughs> Actually, I, I had a bit of a play with it the other day, 
Um, and uh, yeah, I must say, coming from someone who's uh, so anti OS nine as me, that um, it was the first time I've actually ever been able to run more than one or two applications. I think I ran six. Was able to run them, exit them, and no crashes, no rage quits, nothing. So, to me, that's a thumbs up straight off. And do you think the excessive drinking helped? <laughs> well, okay, okay. I didn't want to mention that, but OS nine Anna Foster's. Yes, <laughs> but it's looking good. Excellent, excellent. Okay, so uh, just before we go into another commercial break here, I'm just going to let everybody know who's watching. So we do have a, uh, a short newbie question of the week, but the newbie question and the tech talk are going to lead into our main um, segment, our main focus of the show today as well, which is the, um, the new project, the Nitrous 9 Ease of Use Edition that Curtis and Bill are working on and David Ladd is helping to test and um, so is Grant Leedy. And so it's a little community project that's working on a, uh, which we'll hear more about it, but that's our lead in. So I'm just going to let you know that we're going to run a commercial. We're going to hear from some more people what they're thankful for and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Mike Rowan, and you're watching the original gamer, Stevie Stroh. And when you're done watching, come over and listen to the Coco Crew Podcast. What's going on, everybody? The original gamer, Stevie Stroh here, and I want to talk to you about Amacoconut.com. If you love the color computer like I love the color computer, then you got to visit Amacoconut.com, your one-stop shop for all of your Tandy Color Computer Links needs. There you'll find links to blogs and podcasts and project sites and emulators and downloads and groups and communities. If you love the color computer, head on over to Amacoconut.com. That's I-M-A, Coconut.com. Tell them the original gamer, Stevie Stroh, sent you. Coco forever, people. All right, so I'm doing my Thanksgiving time at night. Well, that makes me a computer geek, doesn't it? Tell me I'm not the only computer geek out there that thinks that they, that they people ought to be illegal. What am I thankful for? I'm thankful that growing up, I had Rainbow Magazine and the Cocoa Community to give me a sense of belonging and purpose, to give me a direction in my life at that time. All right, can anybody identify that person? And by the way, no, it's not Charles Manson. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Alan Moore of comic book fame, but I don't think it was. Yeah. That's our, friend from, that's our friend from Facebook. Uh, the American pronunciation of his name is Ma Machiel. It's, uh, his name is always written in Hebrew. So you see him on the group a lot. Oh, okay. And I, yeah, and I don't want to butcher his name, so I'm just going to call him by the American version of Michael. But yeah, he's been in the Facebook group quite a bit, and that was a pretty cool video right there. <laughs> we got a yeah, few it more. Look, it definitely looks like he was off the grid. Yes, yes, and he has mentioned that. He is, he is an off-the-gridder. So um, very, very cool. So we are a professional show here, including infographics and um, theme music and stuff here. So we're going to uh, break right into now the newbie question of the week. So stand back, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Newbie Talk with Grant Leedy and the Newbie Question of the Week. Take it away, Grant. I have a very, very easy question. It's probably going to be more for Curtis, but um, basically I would like to know what is Poke and Peek? 
Well, poke is when you poke somebody on Facebook. And uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, basically, poke is means you're writing to a memory location or I/O address or whatever, and peek means you're reading it back. So it basically, it's to access memory in the computer or an I/O address, like a piece of hardware, a peripheral, or something. And that's the basic. Basic is the one that uses the peek and poke, and basically nine does that as well. If you're doing a semi language, you're doing that kind of stuff all the time, right, built right into the code. Okay, and then you're able to make programs just using poke and peek, correct? Because I remember a rainbow yep. booklet that had like. 100 pokes and peaks yeah and there was third-party books of like 300 pokes and peaks yeah, and 500 yeah. pokes and peaks and then ones for the coco 3 specifically because there's some stuff you can access that basic doesn't normally access on its own and i think even like color basic originally had it so if you wanted to read the joystick buttons you had to peek the memory location that actually was hooked up to the hardware so sometimes it's practical and i mean on some other platforms because poke and peek is common to basic on all 8-bit and computers and some 16-bit computers I mean, even to click the speaker on the Apple II, for example, you had to do a peak of a memory location just to toggle it on and off. So, All right, cool. I answered my question. So direct memory access, reading and writing, is that a great summary of that? Yeah, memory or I.O. Oh, okay. That's why also, I added that part, because you, sometimes okay. you're diddling with like okay. a card or something. Also, yeah, on, I was sorry. just going to say something. On the Apple, um, a lot of times there would be a machine language routines that are included in the program, and they'd have a data section with basically poke values, and there'd be a little loop that runs, pokes it into memory, and that can call it. I assume you could do the exact same thing with the Cocoa, too. Yeah. A lot of them yeah. were done that way. Uh, I put out a uh, mouse driver routine that used the iRes joystick interface, and it basically was a basic program with lots of peaks and pokes. Yeah, that was published in Rainbow, if I remember correctly, too. It was even Cocoa 1 and 2 compatible? Yeah, and uh, I, I, the thing is, I wrote it before the product came out, and everybody was questioning, what's this high-res joystick option? Yeah, this is pre-Coco 3, too. I remember that. Yep. I was going to say, um, you can use uh, the peaks in BASIC and uh, the keyboard rollover chart. Oh, and yeah. And you can, you can create, like, uh, using the arrow keys without having to use in-key. Yeah, the much faster. Command, it's a lot faster, um, and it's uh, it repeats, you know, without yeah, any it, special it, programming. Yeah, it shows you it's still held down so that you can actually, you know, hold down the left key to move a player to the left, for example. Yeah, yeah. and then and peak 135 tells you the last ASCII code that was entered, too, so you can use that kind of stuff in basic. It's really useful. Very cool stuff. Did you get enough there, Grant? Yep, I think I understand exactly what it is now. All right. Well, that was short and sweet. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to move right into the main segment of the show. And rather than this being necessarily a tech talk, this is going to be kind of a project update announcement on the latest Nitrous 9 project. So we're going to have Curtis and Grant and Bill Noble kind of drive that for us and then i guess you know nick morentis as well nick's been playing yeah. with it too so um why don't you guys start off by telling us a little bit of introduction on the latest nitrous 9 ease of use edition okay so we um finally got the first alpha out i think it was on wednesday night if i remember correctly mm -hmm. um bill david and i've been kind of fiddling back and forth and i did some quick you know hack documentation just to get people started kind of assuming that you don't know anything about Nitrous 9. The whole point of the Easy of Use project is we wanted to have a, a basically a stock boot that you would just, and it works with you know the most common hardware or the emulators, 
and you would just mount the disc in the emulator or just put it on your CocoSDC type DOS and just run. And basically, MultiView is already set up, programs are already in pre-installed, directories are where they're supposed to be, so you didn't have to do any of these install scripts and trying to figure out you know, how the directory structure works, which if you're from RSDOS, you don't have a directory structure. So basically, the whole point is to make it easy and just basically boot it up and go. And you can get into the de details and get into the command line and do some weird stuff if you want to, but you don't have to. You can just use a mouse and click just like a, you know, a modern GUI and hopefully make it easier for everybody to use. Now, this is an alpha. We've got basically the boot working, but I haven't had a chance, and neither is Bill or, or David, who actually is a bit more active on helping make it than originally sounded there. But we're still installing programs. I'm actually making some changes to some programs to make them run a bit better. Uh, I'll give a little bit of an update that on a little bit later. Um, but basically, we've got it out with a couple of demos in there. I think we had about 11 games, I think, pre-installed and ready to run. Uh, the GUI's pre-set up. We set it up basically to run on composite or composite capable, so it would be easy enough to read uh, off the boot. If we get enough feedback that not anybody's running it on composite, we can change that default too. Um, so basically, at this point, it's it's feedback on the little mini manual I made just to get it up and running to make sure it's understandable, something that does not know Nitrous 9, which Grant's holding a copy of it of. And if there's any suggestions for changes on how the boot works, I know Nick's had a few suggestions there. And uh, Steve, have you had a chance to try it yet? I know you've been kind of busy. I have not had a chance to actually try it, but I did look at the manual. I did the RTFM part of that. Um, Which is stunning. It was, it, it, yeah, it wasn't too hard to read. And I know it's an alpha, but I would think at some point in time, I think, I think I mentioned to this you mentioned this to you when we were speaking about it, but maybe some little screenshots along the way when the manual goes into like you know yeah. full release. So as you're talking about the multi-view, show some pictures and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But no, I found it readable. And uh, but I haven't had a chance to boot it up and look at it yet. But I I believe um, I believe there is a certain uh, uh, fan of Nitrous Nine uh, by the name of Nick Marionettes who had a few things to say about it too. <laughs> Ease of use. Yeah. Okay, basically, this is what I want: is I want feedback from the, we're gonna, the alpha testers is going to be a fairly narrow group of people. Uh, and right now we've got a narrow boot. Like right now it's 6309 emulator, either MAME or VCC or Cocoa SDC. We are expanding that. We're actually working on the 6809 boot version of it now. We'll be adding some more stuff a little bit later, but we're just doing this because that's the most common platforms. And I think Nick, because he's in the midst of moving, doesn't have his real Cocoa 3 setup. So I think he did it in VCC. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Anyway, yeah, I'd love to hear your and Grant's feedback in particular because you guys either don't like OS9, Nitrous9, or have never used it before or, or barely used it, maybe just boot up a game from Tandy. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on both the little mini-manual and how it's set up right now. Well, I think the manual is great. It's only about six, seven pages, so that's definitely ease of use compared to the one that came uh, <laughs> with uh, <laughs> OS9 Level 2 from Tandy. Um, setting this it up. Ease of use according to Tandy. How <laughs> <laughs> uh, so many words... How many words per page there? <laughs> well, it's a thousand plus pages. So. Uh, that was it's like War and Peace for the Coco. <laughs> Don't forget uh, so setting it up, setting it up on the uh, SDC was was a breeze. Um, I mean, it took me probably all about five minutes to to download it and copy it and and get it running. Um, and then pretty much everything's a GUI. Uh, so you just take your keyboard or your mouse, point to what you want to do, and click on it and the game starts right up or whatever you're looking to do. So it's very, very easy. Okay. Now, did you play around with any of the command line stuff or did you basically just stick with the GUI? 
I just stick with the GUI for right now. I, that's okay. that's probably going to give it more. That's pretty well what I'm expecting most most people <laughs> right. to use. <laughs> now, does anybody have a GUI they can screen share and show us? Uh, I I do. Okay, well let Nick do it because I'd rather have somebody new to it that uh, can show it yeah. rather than me. I'll yeah, Ron, just, oh, well, actually, yep, I'll just share this. Ron Klein in the live chat is saying he's really impressed with what he's seen so far, too. Yeah, I was going to mention that I sent it to Ron, and he actually came back with some good feedback on the ease of use of it. Yeah, plus we're going to discuss Bill. He's been doing some extensions to it for the Nano, too, which I think Ron's helping test, so we'll get into that a little bit later, too. And here, we see, One here question, we see the latest, greatest version of VCC as well. <laughs> go, go ahead, Grant. Uh, so are we going to be able to run this on the Cocoa Pie? Uh, actually, uh, Ron has already been uh, got it going on the Cocoa Pie. Okay. If, the Cocoa Pie runs MAME, so if it run on MAME, it should run on Cocoa Pie. Of course, I'm speaking on some generalization assumptions here. Look at this. Welcome to Nitrous 9, the Color Computer 3, Ease of Use Edition. It even says it right there on the screen. Yeah, and yeah. Ron says yes. So you know sir. it's Ron true. Klein, Ron Klein answered. Hey, Ron, can you join us in Skype? I'd love to have you on here, sir. Just want okay. to make one quick comment. Ease of Use and Alpha version has never been put on a screen before. <laughs> <laughs> They're kind of counter, you know, they... Counterintuitive. Yes, yes. It's just, yeah. Usually it's beta. <laughs> well, the alpha for me is more restrictive. This is just a few choice people just specifically do right. this in the wide data. I, I know, I know. It's just <laughs> uh, okay. So, oh. so, so right you're now, right. Alpha and ease of use is kind of an oxymoron. Putting well, together, well, so. ease exactly. of use is the name of the version of this, though. This is the ease of yeah. use edition, correct? All yep. I'm saying is I've never seen those two before. <laughs> hey, we're trailblazing here. Point, yeah. Pointly duly noted. <laughs> okay, so what are we looking at here, uh, Nick Marionettes? Well, this this is um, the ease of use edition that's um, running the multi-view. That's been enhanced already by um, by Curtis, so it's, it's got more of a 3D look to it. Okay. Uh, if you've ever seen the original multi-view and compared to this, um, this is way better. A bit more professional looking. Um, Curtis has set up various folders here, and um, well, let's go straight to the most important one: the, the games. <laughs> uh, like the way you think, like Mister. <laughs> <laughs> now it does take a little while to load them all up. The ones that have got these more graphical icons are the ones that Curtis has set up, so they're ready to go. Everything else is some um, uh, work, work in progress, progress still. Yeah. So, so there's quite a few other folders which um, he's yet to go go through and set up. As you can see, there's plenty of all the OS9 games are there. But if we open up, um, which one should we try, Curtis? Anyone uh, in particular? Totally uh, let's try. Well, we can. Let's run Dexter. So you just double click on Dexter, and there it is. Wow! Look so, how fast that came up too. Yeah, they came up fine, and. Um, Unfortunately, this is on VCC. I don't have a joystick, so I can't really get very far. But if I, uh, as you can see, it's playing fine. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think the exit was control clear, was it, uh, Curtis? Control E or something, or control C? Control I, I can't remember. On VCC. Control I can't even remember either. <laughs> yeah, on VCC, I don't have all the normal 
Yeah, VCC's got a couple of issues. Uh, one thing is it eats most of the alt keys, which a lot of the text editors and stuff do. So that's, that's a problem with VCC. Now, as you can see, I'm multitasking as well. So there's my texter. I can jump back to the GUI and um, I can you know, still do the stuff on the GUI. So there's the multitasking and there's a shell, uh, an empty um, shell there. Yeah, and, if you type um, PROC on there, you'll see a list of all the tasks currently running. Yeah, PROC. So you still have access to all the non-ease-of-use stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so there are all the windows that are open. You could kill that Thexter application from here, but there was an, an exit key. I um, remember I was playing with it the other day, and it, there was an exit, but I can't remember it now. If I wanted to kill that task now, um, Curtis, what's the command there? Kill, kill, and then the ID number. So Thexter's is four in this case. Kill four. There we are. Closes Thexter. Back to the GUI. And I can run something else. So, um, I don't know. Here's a simple little basic program. Um, no. It's all running. And you can play Battleship, whatever. And, you can, of course, multitask still. You still have the, the GUI there. Um, and to exit out of this... I just hit the um, break key. So there, straight off, I've run two programs and I'm still in control. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not raging. Yeah. And no then uh, we also have start. the, this is set up for the, uh, the lower res uh, GUI by default in case you have a composite monitor. Uh, yeah. But you can go into view and change it to the 80 column. And if you have a RGB monitor or, you know, a, a decent quality VGA or whatever, you can get way more on the screen. Uh, there's there's some built-in help on the ones, the games that have icons. So if you single-click one of the game icons and then click the question mark in the upper right corner, it'll give you a little bit of description of the game. There you go. Look at that on-screen help. That's right. I don't know if I have the exit key on there. <laughs> and you have options for Thexter, too. Make Thexter. Yeah, that's one thing I need feedback on because there's a few games that have options, but if I set up the GUI so that you can punch in an option, like if you want to pick one, you have to kind of know that stuff ahead of time. That makes it more complicated, so I'm not sure which way to go there. If I should just leave it simple and just do the defaults, or if I should actually specify something. Like in Shanghai's case, I actually, as an experiment, I uh, set it up so that you can use the option because uh, Shanghai, if you just hit return for options, it just defaults to the normal. But some other programs don't, so I, I'm not sure what to do with that. I'll take some feedback from you guys on that. You have scripts or batch uh, shell things you can run, can't you? Couldn't you like have a question, like, do you want this or want that, before it launches? Yeah, I have to change G-Shell, because G-Shell doesn't natively run scripts. The regular shell does that. Wow. So I'd have to fork wow. a shell and then fork the batch. and Fork an A. <laughs> not impossible. <laughs> I, I could do that. I, I do want to make it a bit easier and a bit more memory-friendly than that, than having to have to run background shells just to process sure options so but i tell you what so you know number one this is running on an emulator number two it's being screen shared through skype from australia and even under those conditions it's very fast there's, there's low there's low latency um this is really impressive i think the most impressive part of this and i'm grinning from air to air is Having this being told to us by Nick Morantes. You know? right. <laughs> <laughs> Irony, thy name is Nick. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So it, is, cool. it is true. Hell does freeze over, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, frozen. 
And we yeah, did a few other things too, like to make it easy of use. Like one thing that always bugged me about some of the old games is that everybody made a custom font for whatever game they wrote back in the late '80s, early '90s. But they always reused the same font numbers, so that if you loaded one game, it would change the font. You ran another game, it was assuming you had a standard system font. There, all of a sudden, everything's wrong. Um, so I've I've actually went and made a kind of stock list, changed the font numbers, so we have a nice fixed list that everybody can use, and we can just add to it. I've already added a couple more uh, since this was released uh, for Rogue, because Rogue has a, a special graphics font that came with the game from Epics, and then somebody else did a third-party edition of their own, which actually I think honestly looks a little bit better. So I'm just in the midst of patching Rogue to be able to select a font on on startups. You can pick which of the two graphic fonts you want. If you run okay. it on a hard text screen, it just runs like normal, like the original game did. Okay, that's cool. That's Sounds cool. like ease of use. So yeah, yeah. one question I have, Curtis, is there going to be any limitations between this one and the real version? Uh, what do you mean by limitations? Is there anything you can't do on this ease of use edition that you could do on the uh, regular Nitrous 09? Uh, not really. We're just trying to make it so everything's pre-set up. Um, I do have to patch a couple of programs. Rogue is one I'm, I've already started patching. Uh, G-Shell needs some help on handling batch files. Uh, the bigger thing I've got to add to G-Shell is that the stock one doesn't have a clue how to launch something on a VDG screen, which means all the OS 9 Level 1, Cocoa 1 and 2 games don't launch from G-Shell. And a lot of the uh, Cocoa 3 games who wanted direct screen access, because back then that's the only legal way you could do it, uh, like Coronas Rift and Rescue and Fractalus and Microscopic Mission, all the Sierra games, none of those properly load either. So I've got to patch G-Shell to be able to do that properly. Uh, that's a, that'll be the big patch I'll be doing, and that'll be released to the repository too, because that should be fixed whether you're running our ease of use version or just in general. So that'll be one big change. Well, I gotta say this: the Skype screen sharing on this is pretty fluid right now. I think I mean, it's, it's your it's, connection and stuff too that helps. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Um, my goodness, uh, man, man, this looks really good. I have to say, um, very, very happy with all this right now. Uh, yeah, that's looking really good. Now, let me ask you another dumb question. Right now, the the hell was that? Okay. Um, the icons are black and white. If you switch the view to, uh, you know, 80 column, 16 color, the icons go color too? Um, no, they're all defaulted to grayscale because that was just a, a limitation for people back then, you know, especially if you only had 128K, you couldn't really fit a GUI on top of 128K with a 16 color screen. Okay. Um, so I decided we we designed it for four color. Now you can change those four. Like if you don't want to do strict grayscale, I know Bill had an alternative which had some blues. I had one that had some reds and yellows. Basically, as long as you pick colors zero through three, with zero being your darkest color and three being your brightest color, you can mix and match whatever the heck you want. I'm talking about the icons themselves, not the color palette of the GUI, but the actual icon colors. Like when you launch the game, the icon seems to be um, monochrome too. Well, that's because you're using the standard four default colors for a four color screen okay so the icons are based on the same color palette then yes yeah i see okay they're not separate okay never mind 80 by, 80 by 25 and os9 is four color i i redact the question <laughs> so you can change the system colors like from gray to something else no uh, that, that makes, no well that just makes sense now and it, it probably makes yeah. sense to keep it this way it doesn't look terrible it's kind of mac like you know um yep yep classic and, mac and unfortunately, I think defaulted to a black and whiter grayscale yeah. original. It's yeah. got twice the number of colors. Yeah, we got four, <laughs> damn it. 
they only had two. Very well, the cool. Amiga, the Amiga's uh, OS, it, it originally just boot, booted up to four colors as well. Yeah. Okay. It was just a way of just conserving memory. Why? Yeah. Yeah, and well, it's twice as fast too, because I mean you're yeah. dealing with half a size. So now, one thing I should mention here, and this was one of the suggestions we did get back from feedback, and it was actually from Nick Marionettes himself. Um, <laughs> originally, I had the standard system font that OS Nine comes with for doing the menus and stuff, and that was a full height font. So the tops of the letters, like in F and files and stuff, would go right up into the white, uh, like part of the 3D look. And right. it kind of looks sloppy. Nick pointed that out, and. Uh, there was a, somebody else had done a font. I think it might have actually been the Kevin Darling project for the old sign level two upgrade because they did a 3D look on theirs as well. And uh, they had made a font that was one pixel shorter so it would fit properly within the, within the menu bars. Okay. So that was one suggestion Nick did, and I actually enabled that now as the default. And uh, it, I think it, he's right. It looks a lot better. Okay. Uh, getting back to Grant's question, this is not a restricted version or limited version of the operating system. So anything you can do in, in OS 9, you can do here. So it's not feature restricted, but is it safe to say there are certain minimum requirements? I believe you mentioned early oh, yes. on, this is only going to run on 512k, right? Yeah. yeah. What no, the, the level two upgrade from Kevin Darling, that, that was one thing they were fighting with Tandy micro round two, because they wanted to make the level two version 3 upgrade require 512k because 128k is really limiting when the OS literally takes half of that by itself. You start adding graphic screens and actual programs and you're pretty well out. Mm -hmm. So, and, and to make this ease of use, I mean, if you want to run a 128k, it's not impossible, but you have to do a bunch of hoops and, and do special things to get it to work. And it's kind of like, well, that's not ease of use. That's right, like, right. I want to run, you know, Windows 10 on what's the absolute lowest processor, lowest graphic card possible to run it on. And it's, you're not going to get a good experience out of it. So that's right, restricted right. to 512K. Now, the current alpha, we've only got the 6.309 version out. The 6.809 okay. version should be coming out within a week, uh, which basically we have to replace some modules with 6.809 versions. Um, and then we're going to make some uh, more additional hardware-enabled versions because, like I said, right now, just to keep things simple, we went for emulators and we went for CoQuest DC. That should cover just about everybody. But we will be adding stuff for DriveWire. Bill's already done a kind of an alpha version for the Nano, which he'll get into in, in shortly as well. Yes. And um, and the Pi, I guess, too. Uh, Ron can probably pipe in on that. Excellent, excellent. Well, I think it looks really cool, you know. And I, I forgot what episode it was. So it was somewhere around episode 18 when, when I did my first look at, um, at Nitrous 9. And at that time, it was an image that Bill kind of threw at me and I was impressed with the operating system because uh, it was kind of my first hands-on experience with it. So it actually is an impressive operating system and it is absolutely impressive that this 8-bit processor is able to multitask, um, a concept I didn't grasp even during the days of DOS. So on a real PC through most of the 90s, I did not grasp multitasking. I mean, it's something we take for granted now, but the fact that Coco was doing this uh, with as low as 64K with level one, absolutely impressive, you know? Yeah, no, it, it was quite quite the engineering feat. The OS itself actually came out in 1980, uh, along with Basic 09, because it was kind of a co-thing between Microware and Motorola when they were actually designing the 609 chip. They kind of fed off of each other doing Basic 09. They, they can, and then Microware kind of said, hey, we kind of should set up an OS around this Basic 09 thing. Because actually <laughs> Basic 09 was done first. Wow. And, um, they, they, they'd already done a real-time operating system for the 6800 earlier than uh, this one, or earlier than OS 9, but it was kind of the rough basis of it. And that it was based on Unix, except a lot more memory-friendly. Okay. 
Very cool. So um, if you had to summarize this in maybe three words, Nick, what would that be? Ease of use. <laughs> I, I thought he was going to say not there yet. <laughs> That's only because it's alpha. <laughs> it can only get better from here. All right. Well, when you're ready to talk about the, um, right before we go into the nano version of this, I'll run another commercial. Um, how are we doing on this right now? Have we beat this one to death? Have we I seen have enough one of it? Question. Go ahead there. Uh, Curtis, when do you uh, plan on releasing this to beta and open it up to more people? Um, I think I might do one more alpha because basically I'm just adding more programs, finding out what stuff I need to fix, and then I have to get some of the fixes done. I wanted to make sure we had a couple complete new newbie people, including yourself, to try it and, and go through documentation. Once I get the documentation, easier to understand and get enough default apps built in, clean up the directory structure. That was one suggestion Nick had, because right now we have a bunch of development stuff kind of hanging around, which for ease of use, that's just confusing for users. So I'm going to kind of make a source directory or something and move all the C and ASM and stuff in there. Um, so once that part's done and we've kind of cleaned it up a little bit like that, then we'll start doing betas and you'll have people with, you know, various systems and stuff and and, and let us know if you're anybody's hitting any problems with it. Very keep away cool. from David Ladd from breaking it. Oh, yeah, been, that's helped. David's been influential in helping you develop it and test it, though, too. But, yeah, we yeah. can't. Da, da, even though he's not here, he is not above um, being the whipping post of the show. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> And speaking, uh, welcome to the show, Simon Jonasson. How are you, Simon? Good hey, thanks. you got your Coco 3 yet? Nice to have you here uh, on our new uh, on our new Skype account. So yeah, we're trying to streamline the show. We've got a new Skype dial-in account. Um, I'm glad to see that we're all getting on board with this, and just to make the live uh, operation of the show run a little bit smoother. So Grant will be our primary Skype engineer, bringing people into the call and things like that, accepting the call requests. And we're glad you're here, Simon. It's great to have you as always. Thank you. Long time no see. Yes, good to see you. All right, we're going to run a quick commercial, and then we'll come right back, and we're going to hear about the um, DEC Nano version of Ease of Use. <laughs> hey, have you got your Coco 3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom in Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. What's going on everybody? Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here, and if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, then you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. There you will find custom designs by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. You can get I'm a Coconut, Coco Talk, and other cool video game images on a t-shirt, coffee mug, or mouse pack. So if you love retro, then head on over to the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com today. Tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Hi, it's Ron from Ron's Garage, wishing you a happy Thanksgiving. That was Ron from Ron's Garage there. <laughs> wishing us all a happy Thanksgiving, and I hope we all have. And I know I've got plenty to be thankful for. Um, so, Bill Noble, eh? Yo. How's it going, eh? Pretty good. <laughs> All right. So you want to give us a quick reminder on what the um, Cocoa on a Chip is, maybe the latest version of it, and then 
let that lead into um, the ease of use version of Nitrous 9 on that platform? Yep. Okay, so I don't know how many people are familiar, but uh, Roger Taylor has actually uh, created the this project called Coco on a Chip, which actually uses a DE0 Nano uh, FPGA book development board. And he's actually designed the whole Coco 3 on that system. And it actually runs pretty well uh, with a bunch of extra enhancements on top of that. So basically what I've done is I've taken the ease of use base image and redid the boot files for it. And it is now fully running on the actual uh, Nano as well. But and that gives you stuff like 80 by 60 text screens yeah. and stuff? Yeah. It, I was just going to say, it gives you a few extras on top of that because on the Nano, you got full 80 by 60 text. Uh, plus, I'm also actually creating the sound drivers for it that use the AY38910 sound chip that's built into it. Uh, as well as last night, uh, Rogers actually got inspired uh, by the release of this image uh, that he's actually added an extra uh, command to the SD controller that allows direct access to the SD card uh, using full FAT32. So I'm going to be actually making up some utilities to do uh, directory structures that you can take directly from the SD card to find out what images you have on your SD card. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, because I'll actually be testing that after the show here because uh, hmm. he sent me that at 6 o'clock this morning. <laughs> wow, that's breaking the fourth wall right there. <laughs> it's like I'm breaking past this image into the platform that provides the images to see what images are available to me. <laughs> it's like Inception or something. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. My mind is blown right now. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Roger tried to do it in his version of RRS-DOS, uh, uh, but it was just too much of a, a thing to add into the actual ROM image to actually make it fit directly to identical to a Coco. So That's cool. basically we had to open it up to ni Nitrous 9 in order to do any of these extra features. Okay. How much how much time does it take to take what Curtis has done for the real Coco and then kind of move it over to the Nano? Uh, actually, it just required replacing the boot file. That's oh, okay. It. Yep. The whole the whole nice thing about Nitrous Nine and other real operating systems is that it's 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 built on a driver model like Windows. So if you swap your video card in Windows, you don't have to redo all of Windows. You just replace the video card driver, and it's exactly the same in Nitrous Nine. So I'm assuming you replaced it with the graph driver that handles the higher text, et cetera. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only two things I had to do was replace the boot file and actually replace GraphGriff, and that was it. Now, one thing I did, <laughs> one thing I did do, though, uh, was I added in uh, Roger's version of DriveWire called CocoNet, so I can actually uh, copy files directly from my PC. Yeah. And we will be making a DriveWire-enabled version of the actual ease-of-use project, too. It just We're keeping it simple for now until everything's kind of squared away, and then we'll start doing the alternate builds. Excellent. Excellent. Now, you can run faster, too, right? Like the Nano can overclock, yeah. what is it, this 7 is megahertz actually, or something? This is running at 7 megahertz, yeah. That's impressive. I know, Roger, I have, I'm not completely up to date on it, but apparently some of the hardware is changing now. So from a DE0 to a DE10 on the hardware? Yes. Uh, it is actually uh, uh, redoing the actual 
FPGA software, I guess you could say, to actually run, uh, use the DE10 uh, FPGA instead, uh, which will add extra functionality like HDMI, uh, more networking options, and a whole bunch of other stuff. <laughs> Because he's got a lot more room on the FPGA chip on the DE10 versus mm. the DE0. Neat, neat. Yeah, I might be interested in getting one at that point. Once it goes HDMI and it's got a few more modern conveniences, uh, I just have a hard time buying anything now that only outputs VGA. Because to me, VGA is already a, a dead technology and I don't have anything to record from it. And I need things I can capture and record from. Yeah. Um, well, he does yeah, my like latest TV doesn't even have VGA. Yeah. yeah, he actually does have the HDMI running already. Ah, see? There we go. 21st century. It's almost here. This <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we can run a, a 1980s operating system on it. <laughs> yeah. Ease uh, of use. Yes. So you got it running, and it took next to no work. Change the boot file, change the driver, and it runs. So um, you mentioned, Curtis, too, that you were patching a few things that maybe weren't quite what they needed to be in the original Nitrous 9 repository? Yeah, I'll be submitting it back to the repository. I mean, I'm still kind of going through and figuring out what, what things. Like, one I'm patching right now is Rogue, because the original version of Rogue was hard-coded to check, are you running on a 640 by 192 two-color screen only? If you're doing that, then I'll enable the graphics font. If you ran it on a 640 by 192 four-color, it would just run plain straight text, which is kind of dumb. So I've patched that. I've also patched it so that if it's not a full screen version, but you're running in graphics mode, it'll enable the graphics too. So I did one screenshot in Discord that actually showed Zone Runner running beside Rogue, and Rogue actually has the graphics font. And the standard stock Rogue would not do that. It would run in just text modes, like your player would be a number eight. And as pairs, like I said, a stairs would be an equal sign. So that's already been patched, and I've got a couple other patches to do too. G-Shell itself is the one that needs the most patches because I have to get it so it enables you to run and launch VDG-based programs first, because that's one big thing that's missing out of the easy for okay. use. Any of the Sierra games, all the other ones, you have to you know, fork a shell into one of the green screen old Coca-1 and 2 windows, then change your directories to the proper spots, and then run the game from there, which it kind of is anti-ease of use. So the big thing is I have to get G-Shell, which is the GUI mm. program itself within MultiView, to actually do that all on its own. And I'll be resubmitting that back to the repository once once it's all done. Okay, so I want to make sure I understood that last thing you just said here. It sounds to me like you are actually doing a lot of hard work to make this easy for people to use. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just easy... like the guys from the Mac had to write the tool Mac toolbox in order to make the Mac GUI itself work, make it easy programmers to use. So same thing. So everybody, when you see Curtis at Cocoa Fest, buy him a beer. He's been working hard. <laughs> Curtis and Bill. Bill, you coming to Cocoa Fest? Still unsure yet. <laughs> okay, you can get a ride of Curtis. I I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, vouch, I vouch for him. So. <laughs> I don't know if he will now though, because he's ridden with me before, so he's seen me drive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that may not be the <laughs> Very cool. Uh, all right, so we have we beat the topic to death. Anything else we want to add to that? Uh, not that I can think of. Like I said, I've already done some modifications since. I've installed two new games, Rogue and Zone Runner. Rogue's getting a little bit of patches. Oh, one other thing I should mention on Rogue, in case anybody doesn't know about it. Um, the Rogue that Tandy sold from Epix actually has the entire Epix debugger for playing the game and spontaneously creating monsters and changing everything in the game on the fly is built in, but they disabled it. 
and somebody figured out how to patch it uh, to enable it again. There's a two command key sequence, which I'll be putting the help once I release the next alpha. Um, but basically, it's it's actually enabled in this one by default, so that you guys can fiddle with it if you want to see what the Epics guys used to debug the game while they're writing it. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, yes. In this case, but yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I'm hey, gonna do that for Doom, by the way. <laughs> yeah, Ron, you um, you, you ready to come up next on uh, Ron's Garage? Yeah, let's give it a try. I'm, my internet's real, not real good today. I don't know why, but we'll see what happens. All right, I'm gonna run a commercial, and we'll be right back with Ron's Garage. Stay tuned, everybody. Hello, this is David Ladd, and you're watching Original Gamer Stevie Stroh. Radio Shack's store-wide manager's red tag sale is on now. We've slashed prices 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%. Save on famous Radio Shack Hi-Fi, car stereo, radios, toys, TV games, calculators, walkie-talkies, and CB radios. Look for the big red tag. Save like never before on these and literally hundreds of red tag specials. Hurry into Radio Shack today. Thankful for my uh, mule here and uh, Simon Johansson for all his oh, contributions to the community. Thanks. Uh, you recognize that person there with the mule? Nope. Name escapes me at the moment. That's <laughs> William Schaub. Is his last name? The one who started doing some assembly stuff recently. Mm -hmm. Oh yes, right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and in 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 the exact order of importance, he was thankful for his mule and Simon Jonason. So Simon knows where he rates. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're gonna do the professional introduction here with Ron's garage. <laughs> Hold on, just a second here, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for Ron's garage with a peek into the past. Featuring the retro computing collection of Ron Delvaux. Take it away, Ron. All right. I'd like to dedicate this to uh, Steve Bjork. Basically, <laughs> okay. MC10. MC10. Oh, And we might be losing Ron's bandwidth there. Yeah, that's the problem with MC10s. They're just too slow. <laughs> <laughs> Ron, if you can hear us, we, we lost you. We, we're stuck in a CPU wait state here. Uh, <laughs> he's back. Hey, Ron, we lost you for a second. Okay. so It's touchy. And that's what she said. Okay, there we go. So this has now become an MC10 unboxing. Ooh, still in the plastic. Look at that. Nice. You can appreciate that 80s smell. No, that's just wrong. Yeah, we are not hearing you at all right now, Ron. This is what I 
I, th- I think Ron needs the same uh, internet upgrade you got. Yes, yes. And I got mine. Ron, <laughs> Ron, Ron inherited my uh, internet bug. A little bit, yeah. Okay, there it is. MC10 sealed in plastic. Look at that. That is gorgeous. Man. It's gorgeous. The anticipation is killing me. It Brand. should be left in the plastic. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and encased in concrete? Like a block. Uh, I don't know. See, don't they make good doorstops? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. If you keep it in the plastic, it doesn't get dirty, and it holds the door better. <laughs> you can also use it as a paperweight on your desk, you know, because of those wicked windstorms that always pop up in your office. <laughs> Actually, I think the Timex Sinclair makes a better <clears throat> doorstop because of the wedge shape, but that'd make a good paperweight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the big innovation on the MC10 was bringing back the keyboard overlay for the keys to do something different than what they were intended to do. Like the old Coco One chiclet keyboards. Yeah, or the Commodore Pet, which I think had the same scheme with your character your graphic characters and stuff. Right. This is 8 volts, and this is what you uh, don't get when you buy one on the internet. Because they usually don't come with one of these, probably. People what's forget. The, and then, what's the significance of the 8 volts on that? Is that what the normal input was for the computer? Yep, 8 volts, 1.5 amps. Oh. And um, this is the most ugly thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I hate the these. The old RF switch box, yep. Yeah. Yep. And Made by the thousands. Yep, something hooked up on the back. And then I've got one of these. Ah, the original Tandy 16K RAM module upgrade for the MC10. Very nice. Yes. Which, which, ironically, Radio Brand Shack themselves, I think, only sold one program that used it. So that would bring it from, what, what was the MC10 come stock with? 4K? So it's brought it up to 20K. And if I recall from a tech segment on the Coco Crew podcast, that RAM was not addressable for Camps. video memory, so you couldn't get any more advanced graphics. That's modes correct. Out of that. Your 4K that you originally had was all you could use for video RAMs. You couldn't, even though the VDG supported high res modes like P mode 3 and 4, you could not use them. You had to have a screwdriver because uh, you can't plug it in right away. You have to mm. remove the panel. Yeah, that's what she said. That, that keyboard <laughs> looks terrible. <laughs> Yeah, it's the, the only thing. No friends. It's better than the Sinclair ZX ZX8081 RAM tone, as I used to call it, which is that could, flat plastic Atari the, 400 style. Kind of the membrane, yeah. So I guess the one mm-hmm. good thing is is that the MC10 made the silver Coco chiclet keyboard seem better. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> By comparison. And if I you do need software for an MC10, just go to Jim Gary. He's written hundreds of programs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. No, I can remember having to write code on a uh, Coco One keyboard, but trying to henpeck on that small little keyboard for an MC10. It's just like everything was going the wrong direction with Tandy when they came out with it. Yeah, yeah, it'd be That's like a- trying to type on the trick, regular Chiclet keyboard with oven mitts on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, That's impressive how nice and clean that is, all still in the plastic there, Ron. Well, it was. How, how much did it, really it smell? Yes. How much was it? Um, just like that. Oh no, we had two people talking at once. Um, <laughs> how much you, was it in the day? I think it was a hundred dollars, Nick. Right. I, it was originally a one forty nine when it was first released, and then they dropped it to one nineteen, 
Then it went to 99, went to 79, and then the final price was $39, and they still couldn't get rid of them. Wow. (laughs) In fact, they ran a promotion, a very short lived one. If uh, you bought a Xenix system, they would give you a free MC10 for the kids to play with. And a lot of people (laughs) didn't even want it. (laughs) Wow. I think that's because Steve Bjork bought up the entire supply. So, <laughs> Well, what, what happened, and I wish I could find the memo, but I, I was in San Antonio at the time. I was at a repair center. And a memo came out to all the, the um, computer stores. Uh, a memo for they were supposed to get all their MC10 stock, uh, what they had, including the, the module, the 16K module. And they had to ship them to Harlingen, Texas, all of them. And then they, they filled out what they call an interstore uh, stock transfer, ICST, and ship them all there. It was uh, the computer store on, uh, I believe it was on Sunset Road on Highway 77. And that was the last we heard of them. But I don't know if that was company-wide or it was just our region, but it was uh, kind of strange. I thought they were trying to pull some kind of Atari-type thing where they were trying to just get rid of them and bury them in the desert somewhere. I was just going to ask if it, was, if it was a big landfill in that area or something. <laughs> well, I, our, our biggest get, our, our, our guess was maybe somebody in Mexico wanted them and they just, you know, uh, shipped them there so they can pick them up or something. But that was the last we saw of the MC-10, at least in the Tandy stores in our area. I, I do have a question. Is, is Simon still on the call? I don't know if he is at the moment. Um, but do, does anybody know, was MT-10 ever sold in Europe and in the UK? It was sold in Australia. Simon's there. What was that, Nick? In, in Australia, we um, they, they sold them. Oh, the, so there was a PAL version of the MC-10? Yeah, yeah, I've got one. Oh, okay. There's also the French clone of this that's called the Alice, which is red, right? That's yeah. right, that's an, yeah. Yeah, Ron, you put up a few pictures of the different variations of the MC10 in your uh, on one of your Facebook groups, right? Say it again. Didn't you put up a couple of variation photos of the different yeah. MC10 models in one of your Facebook groups? Yeah, and uh, some of them had different keyboard layouts. Yeah, it was pretty interesting to look at. Yeah, I got it I, off the internet. <laughs> So, yeah, I think we talked about this a week or so ago when we said, you know, if you're going to collect things, what are some of the unicorns or what's something you might want to have in your collection? And, um, I mean, this is this is a relative of the Coco. It's made by Radio Shack. It's got a similar chip. It's, you know, it's one of those relatives that maybe you don't see all the time, but, you you know. <laughs> well, it's one of those relatives which is just hate. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like the fruitcake uh, that fruit you get a gift. Cake. You get a Christmas. <laughs> And you forward it to the next family member for the next Christmas. There you yeah. go. Actually, the there, there is another reason why I hate this machine. It killed the deluxe color computer. One of the problems that they had in bringing out the deluxe color computer was the fact that they were running out of 6847s. What did they use in the uh, this guy? 6847. There and basically that was part of the problem. There was a 6847 shortage as far as Tandy was concerned, and they could, you know, that's why they cut the deluxe color computer because they had this other project that was cheaper that would sell a lot. 
<laughs> I saw how that worked out, right? <laughs> <laughs> this would have been a great computer if it was released back in 1980, 1981, you know, to compete with the Sinclair. And if they had sold it, it started out at $125, something like that. They, they would have, they, they couldn't have kept it on the shelf, but it was two years too late, you know, when it was released in 83, I believe. Mm-hmm. Didn't Darren Atkinson make some enhancement or add-on to it that really made it yeah, more it's powerful? Yeah, uh, it's, called. Called it's called an MC server, uh, which is like DriveWire for the uh, MC10. And if you have the uh, memory expender board, which Ed Snyder is producing, which it's it lets you communicate with that MC server. Um, and so that gives you like DriveWire-like capability. Did it also add joysticks and stuff too? I can't remember. Yeah, that was that was his second generation one. The first one was just the MCX one twenty eight, and so it added more RAM, one hundred twenty eight k RAM, and the MC server. I don't remember all the details, but I, that that first one did not add sound or joystick port. He created a second generation of that board that had some other add ons to it. Um, now that all of that is emulated in Cocoa Pie as well, so you can run the MC server on your Cocoa Pie just like you can run a DriveWire server. Uh, you can also run an MC10 emulator on the Cocoa Pie, and all of Jim Gary's software libraries up to now. You know he just released what 45 new ones this week, um, <laughs> which were which were all on the which were all on the Cocoa Crew podcast. But um, Ron Klein has been updating Cocoa Pie with the Jim Gary MC10 software library so you can experience the mc10 on a better keyboard and um i i like the fact that just like we somebody could look in at us and say why are we so passionate about the coco compared to other 8-bit machines and compared to modern machines we can look at the mc10 and say why would anybody want to use that piece of crap but i respect the fact that jim gary is one of the people who's just is so dedicated to that machine and just cranks out so much software the software he does and the time and energy he spends on it are commendable and admirable you know yeah and there's been a couple of pretty good mc10 machine language games with the 16k expansion mode there's a pretty good pac-man space assault's been ported over um it's pretty well identical to the coco version so there's there's a couple of good things and none of this stuff was out like i said earlier there's only one 20k required program that tandy released and that was the lost valley pinball Okay. And everything else was a tiny little 4K stuff, and most of it was in basic, even even the stuff Tandy sold. So they didn't really show the machine off even to its limited capability properly because it was all basic stuff instead of any machine language. Yeah, and the other problem with it is on the cassette is that it didn't have a uh, relay switch. So you had to manually turn on and off the uh, cassette when you loaded programs. Ease of use. Yeah. <laughs> Make it cheap. <laughs> yeah. uh, a lot of other uh, machines there I had the, the no relay thing too so it just kind of puts it in the class with them I guess <laughs> yeah. I mean there's plenty of reasons to the MC10 uh, the, it's just like it's designed by a drunk uh, someone who, <laughs> who had no, no good experience in digital design based on the way they did some things I don't know, but while we're out there, I'm going to plug my Xmas Rush port, though. If you if you like Xmas Rush, you'll love it on the MC10. <laughs> As I roll my eyes. No, I just kidding. <laughs> and it runs in 4K? Um, I can't remember. I think it does, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, it, it, uh, the, the biggest downside of MC10 or the Xmas Rush on the MC10 is I stupidly perhaps use the arrow keys 
uh, which are positioned, you know, kind of like on the Coco 2, where they're two in one place and two in another or, or whatever, and they're just kind of hard to use on that keyboard. Uh, so it's, it's kind of extra hard to play. So if you're not if you if you're not challenged enough getting the four, <laughs> actually, uh, it would be really good if, if it was like a giant game pad. You know, you could have you could use your thumb on both sides for the arrows. Yeah. If I if I really cared, I probably would go back and. and <laughs> I like the if I really cared. Part. <laughs> I really cared. <laughs> well, hey, those MC10 people should be happy. There's a Christmas. Uh, I just I just want to see Steve Bjork, you know, you know, pour popcorn over and run it on that keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> like that's gonna happen. <laughs> How about the audio analyzer? That'd be a good one. Well, yeah. the, you know, one of the things we that uh, some of the salespeople did to pass the time in the computer store, they were forced to put this MC10 up on display, and I mean, they were kicking and screaming to to make them put it up, and so they they ran. There was a six six one in game cartridge that came out or a cassette cartridge, and they would play this horse racing game, and they would actually put little bets on it, you know, to see what horse would win. I mean, just to pass the time. Um, <laughs> like real they, bets, real yeah, real, real money. Bet. Well, they were real. betting pennies and stuff like okay, that. Okay, okay. Still, and they were just cheering on the horse, you know. And and it, and and that was the other thing is these games were written in BASIC. There was no machine language. Just the uh, Lost Valley Pinball. I was the only one. Yeah. Was there an editor assembler for the MC10? No. Not released, but they had some stuff internally. Okay. That might explain the lack of assembly language stuff if there was no commercial assembler. Yeah, it was, it was the third-party stuff in the '90s and 2000s when they finally started getting some machine language games, like the aforementioned, uh, you know, Space Assault port, the Pac-Man game, which is actually quite good. Um, is that a clone of what the uh, Pac-Tac, the computerware one? Or no, that one was an original one. It was, oh, uh, it was. P-Mode, okay. P-Mode one, and you know, the Ghost turned blue and everything else. It uh, it's a bit low res because of the 4K restriction on video sure. RAM, but. It actually plays pretty good. There's a YouTube video of it somewhere if you wanted to hunt it down. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that with us, Ron. A great sure. segment as always, and it's a pristine MC10. So for those yes. of you who, who like your MC10s, Ron's got a clean one for you. Yeah. <laughs> and Steve is uh, Steve Bjork has hoarded all the rest, so you can buy them off of him. <laughs> well, I've got a lot of doors in this house. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, the cheap plastic case helps muffle the door slams a little bit, so it's nice sound dampener too. I well, want every, say, you know, every so often I have to replace one because the dog gets it and starts chewing it up. <laughs> 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 Luckily, you got lots of spares. Okay. Uh, all right, we're gonna run a commercial break, and we're gonna come back with a. Oh, there it is. There's the video. Who's sharing that right now? That's me. Okay. Pac-Man style. Yeah, this looks like... So this was an original one. Go ahead and let that play. I'm trying to... Yeah, yeah there we go. Okay. It looks like one of the many ones that were available for the Coco, but that was actually original, huh? Yeah. Okay. It has sound, too, which is not coming through right now, but... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Very good. All right. So All we're right. going to uh, we're gonna come back with some uh, news in just a minute. And I know one of the things we wanted to show off, speaking of... Um, sharing a YouTube video, but um, 
our friend from across the pond, Steve Banford, uh, a.k.a. Bosco, is working on a very cool Japanese-styled kind of Mario platformer-type game, which we're going to show off a clip from that. Will you have that ready to share with us, Grant? Are you going to do that one for us? Yep. All right, so we're going to run a commercial, and we'll be right back, people. Hi, this is John Linville. And Neil Blanchard. We are the Coco Crew. I hope you're enjoying watching Stevie Strobe play video games, especially the Coco games. And when you're done with that, check out our podcast at CocoCrew.org. At home. At the beach. In your car. At the shop. At the office. Anywhere you enjoy fine audio programming. It's North America's premier source for color computer news. The Coco Crew Podcast. This is John Linville. And Neil Blanchard. And we are the Coco Crew. I hope it's going to be a great show. Join John and Neil each month as they bring the latest news about the color computer, Dragon, MC10, and others. It's the Coco Crew Podcast. Visit www.cococrew.org and listen today. You guys are making me miss the old theme song. <laughs> there we have it. The greatest podcast in the history of human communication right there. The Coco Crew Podcast. Uh, and what we have up here on the screen, does anybody know how to pronounce this game? Because um, <laughs> uh, I am not sure that I will. Um, what is it called? Yeah. Kuroku Nashina or something like that? Where's Rick Adams when you need him? I pronounce it Cersei's Island. Okay, Cersei's yeah, like Island. There you go. The, the American <laughs> version of this. So um, go ahead and throw the video clip up there for us, Grant. Let's take a look at this. And share sound, too. There you go. It's looking like the mechanics here are it's the stars are safe to pick up. Some of the other creatures are not. Um, and then there are some pickup items along the way. Treasure chests. And treasure chests. Uh, the object is to survive all the non-touchable bad guys and get to the end of the level. Very um, platformy looking, you know, like a Mario style side scroller. Although it seems like you're not constantly scrolling, you kind of on this little island and you kind of have to deal with each little zone or island one at a time. Yeah. And I know he mentioned uh, at some point that uh, these sound routines are not the finalized ones. He was going to try to get them a bit more fancy. But I like the look of it. I like the low res where you can see the pronounced pixels. It very much looks like kind of like a Game Boy style mm -hmm. game here. Game Boy one. Yeah. 
It's also I think it's low enough res said. you could make an MC10 port. <laughs> <laughs> Is there enough RAM though? 20k maybe, or yeah. the 128k for sure. But what I love about this is that, you know, there's there's some really cool titles being made for the dragon right now like this. Like the Tiburon game and like Karen's Dungeons and uh, Stuart Orchard's working on some stuff. So there's a handful of people making some original or some ports and stuff. And it's, it's, it just kind of reminds you, what can you do with basically a Coco 2? And you can... Um, you know, I grew up on the Coco 2. I, I didn't grow up on the Coco 3, and I have nothing but fond memories of lots of quality games on a Coco 2. Um, and this is this is definitely looks like it's in that, that vein, you know? Yeah. And it, it's really cool that the Dragon people kind of had a whole different set of innovative games. I mean, even if you go back to the mid to late 80s and stuff, there was some games that we didn't even see that genre really in North America for the Coco. So they had quite a few original things. And the fact that people have started porting back and forth between the two is kind of nice. We can expand both of our game libraries. Yeah. yeah. Plus also, um, I guess uh, in uh, England, they they don't, just like here uh, in Australia, anything that uses P-Mode 4, we don't get the artifacted colors. So a lot of the, this, these English Dragon programs... Um, use the p-mode 3 so actually seeing the uh, the four color graphics used quite well in a lot of these these um yeah. english programs and the few p-mode 4 games they did do were meant to be black and white like dungeons and agrath uh was on the coco side where they're meant to be 256 by 192 two colors quite a few of those jet set willie and a few others and yeah. actually if you run them on a monochrome they actually look pretty good almost like mini mac game mac original macintosh games Right, so when you look at a Coco game ported to the Dragon, like I saw some pictures of things like Cashman and things like that, you know, they basically changed the palettes. Um, yeah. and, I th and I think Cashman actually had from the home screen where you could do that. You could change it to like the uh, the white P-Mode 3 background. Yeah, or the uh, green. Yeah. yeah. But but this some, some of the ports they did, they didn't do properly. Like Donkey King, they just they did the same thing. They just changed the mode. But right. that has some fine detail and some artifacting colors, so it really doesn't work. It looks like a blurry mess. Yeah. Whereas this game is specifically written for P mode three, and a lot of the dragon stuff is. So right, right, and they make they make good use. Nice... Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think yeah. this is only P mode one. To be honest. Oh yeah, yeah it's actually P mode one. Yeah. Yeah. But it looks. That's like why I said it would run on the MC10. Literally, I wasn't joking about that. Yeah. Looks good. Looks good. All right, we've probably seen enough of this one. We can beat this one to death. And this uh, this mode would use half the the res two of a P mode three. So this would be a three K graphic screen, which which uh, it makes it more manageable if you want to you know to do to do the animations and the sprites. You're only dealing with three K of RAM. Yeah, so you can make the game yeah. run proportionally faster. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, apparently, this is apparently this is apparently early version too. He's still working on it a lot, so it's more like right, kind of a right, proof right, of concept. Right. Right. I'm, I'm sure, like when he gets the final versions, he's going to have some sort of masking on the images and stuff like that. Right. It's professionally put together, so it, it's definitely at a commercial grade level. Sure, sure. I also want to point out that our viewership has been pretty good today. We've gotten as high as like 21 simultaneous viewers. Right now we're around 18 viewers. So we've maintained a fairly steady 
um, viewer count. Hopefully, we're keeping everybody awake here. Uh, hopefully, we're staying on target. Stay on target. Uh, which is the goal. And um, good stuff. Uh, do we have some more news? Anything anybody want to share that they've come across in the, uh, the World Wide Web of Coco and Retro? Well, one thing I wanted to mention, because it's been mentioned by a few other people, including Steve Benford, uh, of doing a, a special Dragon Games thing and then covering some of the new projects that are being made, because there's multiple ones, and then some of the old ones, too, just to show some of the stuff that was uniquely on the Dragon originally. And I think we should do a special episode on that at, at some point, and we can invite them all on and get kind of the yes the European uh, perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've mentioned it several times, and we've tried to get a few people together. Nobody's not uh, on board to do that. It's just coordinating everybody. But I, I want to call that episode The British Invasion, where we're going to basically get everybody from the UK to talk about the dragon and all these projects, because there's enough going on there that we can make a whole episode just of that. Um, so those plans are in the works. It's just kind of aligning everybody. Um, yeah, the time zone difference between you and, and them is a part of the problem, I think, too. So, Yeah, but I absolutely agree. I'm looking forward to that. Another one, too. Ron Klein, we want to get you on here to talk about Cocoa Pie, um, even if we have to pre-record it. So so let me just throw that out there, too. So, you know, one of the challenges of this show is that we literally have people around the world in the Cocoa community. So we try to find times that seem to work for most of the people most of the time. Our 2 p.m. time slot worked for most of us. It worked for most of the world. And, and Nick Morentis is a trooper to get up at 4 a.m. to join us. Um, but we're, you know, we're going to play around with the idea of having different shows at different times to appease different schedules and, and things like that. And that's the one thing I didn't get to do was to add a calendar to CocoTalk.live. But be on the lookout for that. When you go to the website, CocoTalk.live, I'm going to have a calendar and we are going to talk about uh, what episodes will be airing at what times. And we'll try to let everybody know in advance. So... Every now and then we'll do a Friday night show. Sometimes we'll do a Saturday morning or a Saturday evening. There's always going to be holidays or special events or life events. So the schedule will vary from time to time to accommodate the, the group and accommodate the audience and just sometimes just give us a break by not having to take up the middle of a Saturday, you know. Yeah. Um, but that'll that'll be coming. And the one that I know of right now for sure is December the 16th. And this is when uh, Bruce Moore is going to pick a winner for the second round of, uh, of uh, Forest of Doom. So the next chalice, right? So the whoever, um, yeah, there was the one cup for the per first person to win it. So there's going to be a second round contest for everybody who got their books late. And that's going to be Saturday, December the 16th. And I don't remember if we're doing that one at noon or 2 p.m., but just know on that date, that's kind of the topic for that. And we'll put that on the calendar. So good stuff. Um, what else we got in the way of news around the web? Um, I don't know if you've gotten far enough in the Coco Crew podcast to, like, sometimes we do our kind of a follow-up just to kind of discuss the topics they discussed. I don't know if you've gotten far enough along for us to do that this episode, or maybe we should wait till next week. I got to just the beginning of the interview. So I heard the news and the announcements and the first panel discussion is about as far as I got. Okay. Oh, well, we'll wait till next week then. Because, yeah, the, the Infocom stuff was quite interesting. Uh, and the interview as well, as well as the blogs that John's been doing on how the whole engine works and, you know, how you can create your own, et cetera. I mean, if you guys are here and John's here and you want to talk about it, don't let me get in the way of that. <laughs> 
You up for that, John? Sounds like the cat is. <laughs> <laughs> well, while we're waiting on John, if he if he returns, I have a question for you, Steve. Yeah, sorry, my mic was off. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, we're just uh, Curtis was going to mention. Uh, I haven't gotten to that part of the podcast yet, but he's going to mention that. Um, you know, talking about the Infocom segment and everything else that's on the podcast this month. I don't know if you're up for talking about that while we're all I'm here. To, I'm happy to talk if anybody's got anyone need comments or questions or whatever. Well, one I, I found the the interview that with the guy from Infocom was quite fascinating, um, just in general. And then I noticed you've been doing the blogs of how the Infocom uh, Z engine works. And I was wondering, did the interview inspire you to write that blog, or did you write the blog and then try to find somebody to interview? How did that work? Um, well, uh, yeah, so we've actually had that interview in the can for a couple of months. Um, and, um, uh, let's see, I guess, uh, if you've read the blogs, I mentioned, uh, the paper from, uh, Kansas Fest, and that came out in July, I guess. And, uh, when that came out, I kind of messed around started with the beginnings of the project and, um, you know, just started playing around and figuring things out or whatever. Um, and then, so that inspired me to kind of look a little bit more into things. And uh, somewhere uh, on the, the the on the internet, I found an old forum post or or a, probably a news group post um, where uh, uh, Mr. Moriarty, there, Brian, uh, mentioned that he had uh, done the the interpreter for the cocoa. <laughs> and so I got kind of excited, tried to reach out and find him, and. Google around or whatever, and kind of came across his Twitter um, uh, handle, and so I just tweeted him and said, uh, "Hey, you know, you want to talk about this, or whatever?" And uh, kind of to my surprise, like within an hour, he responded, "Yeah, that'd be great. Let's talk." <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, uh, so yeah, so we got together and uh, had the discussion. I don't know if you could tell; it was a little hard to to, to get a word in on some places. He kind of I think he's done these talks before, um, but uh, still pretty good talk or whatever. And then, um, um, you know, we're just we're kind of waiting for the the show to, topics to kind of line up or whatever. And so um, I did a little more research, which you know led to the discovering the different versions of the interpreter and all that. So it's kind of a long project, really. <laughs> okay, um, but. Uh, but yeah, in fact, now I got to do. I think I, I need to do one more uh, uh, blog post because uh, in the blogs or in the or in the discussion, I mentioned that uh, I think you can do a load M um, on the interpreter if you don't want to type DOS. You know, I don't know why you would prefer one or the other over the other. I guess, but anyway, I discovered that the load M actually loads a different binary that then loads the interpreter. It's a little technical net, but uh, I figured I'd cover that too. Um, yeah, anyway. I think you were mentioning uh, in, during the interview that there was never a, a Cocoa 3 version of the interpreter even planned, or at least he was kind of past it at that point. Yeah, I think I think it just came out too late, really. Uh, in fact, um, if I'm not mistaken, he may have already left Infocom by the time the Cocoa 3 came out. So, um, you know, but anyway, I'm not aware of a Cocoa 3 interpreter. Um, I I did. I, I, like I said, I thought it was interesting that um, you know the versions of the interpreter don't seem to line up with the uh, release dates of the games. Uh, I think somebody did respond back that they had a 
uh, a hitchhiker's guide with a, a version D interpreter. So, um, as my best guess is that they, uh, my best guess is just that they uh, would refresh the disc images and uh, once in a while, and just at whatever time you bought them, uh, <laughs> probably reflects what, whatever image or whatever uh, interpreter version you get. Yeah, it was also interesting too because at Tandy Assembly, you guys had Scott Adams there, of course, who created the uh, engine that the Adventure International used, another text, you know, adventure game thing. It would have been kind of interesting if you could have got the two of them at once and compared notes, like, well, how did you guys do your interpreters and what was different, what was the same? Yeah, yeah that would be cool. Um, I think we could probably reach out to Scott Adams again at some point. He seems pretty talkative. Um, <laughs> let Jesus in the room a little bit, but. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that'll be okay, I guess. <laughs> um, then we just have to get the Sierra guys to come in. <laughs> I don't have any contacts there, but um, yeah, no, it's fun to, to to think that you can um, um, just go and and build your own new game and not have to write any code to do it. At least not any non-game code, I should say. Uh, uh, how big? How big is the actual engine itself? Like, do you know? They. Um. I think I was looking, um, um, you know, so they reserve two tracks on the disc for it, but I think it only takes up um, about 6K, something like that. So it's not, a, it doesn't take all of that space on its own. Uh, so it's not very big, um, you know, considering. Now, it's a version 3 interpreter, if you're into Infocom stuff. Um, so some of the some of the games, like even some of the classic games, came out on version five interpreters. Um, so I'm not sure all of them will run with the, with the Coco's interpreter. Uh, and like I say, if you want to build your own with with Inform or something, you, you'll have to make sure to specify uh, version three for the output, which might restrict you on certain types of code. Um, I don't know enough about it to tell you what <laughs> will or won't work. Yeah, because two things I think would be a nice extension is to do a Coco 3 version where you just tweak it to handle 40 or 80 column screens and then maybe doing a port to Nitrous 9 and put it on the ease of use package. Maybe even make a little, you know, adventure game designer program or something. Yeah, yeah no, that would be really cool. I, I don't think it's all that hard to write one you know, exercise left for the, uh, the implementer to do. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think it could be written um, even for the later version of the of the interpreter. So, like you said, some of their games I think had support for uh, for sound and uh, for some graphics. Um, that would be a cool project. I'll add it to my list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can, can can we get a Linville ism here and saying, uh, I'm not saying it is a Coco project. But it could be a Coco project. <laughs> <laughs> could be. Well, I mean, the, yeah, the, the, there's plenty actually of, of portable ones out there. And, you know, if you want to run an Infocom game on your Linux system or your Macintosh or or even on your cell phone, <laughs> there's stuff out there that'll run them. Uh, so one of those might be simple enough to to um, to get squeeze through CMOC or something like that. Um, at least with minimal changes. Uh, oh, it'd be kind of cool, but like I said, I was kind of hoping at least to to stir up. I, I know of a few people that uh, you know want to, to some extent, follow in um, in Bruce Moore's uh, step footsteps and produce their own adventure games. Yeah. I actually know of a couple in progress, um, and 
be a good way to write an adventure game. And then, you know, if you're worried about not having a big enough audience or whatever, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't even be limited to the Cocoa or even not even limited to, to retro computers at all. You, you could run them on anything. So, yeah, this also makes Evan Wright's project come to mind too. His uh, kind of adventure game uh, development. Yep. Just a yep. tool, toolkit. Yep, definitely. But, um, and like you say, uh, Scott Adams um, had a similar system out there, and, and his adventure interpreter, I think, is equally well documented. So um, you'd also, I'm sure you could do a similar project with Scott Adams' adventure stuff uh, if somebody's looking for a project there. <laughs> yeah, and then Sierra's, of course, for the, if you want to get to the graphical slightly later in time side, that's all been done. And I mean, even uh, Guillem has uh, ported some of the homemade games for the Sierra interpreters that are now running on the Coco as well. So we've got three adventure game engines we could potentially pull into. Yep, definitely. So nothing to stop you if you want to write your own game, and just because you you can't uh, don't think you can write the code or at least the code in basic or whatever. Uh, I'm sure there's a, there's code components to uh, to the Z machine, and, and I, I imagine there's probably code components to the other ones as well. But they're a little more specific to writing the game. So hopefully that would be simple enough. There yep. you have it. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a good way to have some fun. And, uh, like I said in the intro to one of my blogs, I mean, we have a lot of projects that pop up in the community, and and they're great projects. But uh, like, well, even like to like you know my my video player, you know, you can play a video, but it takes a lot of work if you want to start from scratch <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, there's other media players and and other projects that show up that. Um, you know, you got a media player, but no media to play, or um, you know, you can monitor the temperature in your greenhouse or whatever. But not everybody has the the parts to put it together. Um, so it's kind of cool to have a project that you immediately can consume some existing content, or almost immediately. <laughs> I'm thinking of three words that come to mind for that. <laughs> Well, I actually could put. Uh, I've got a make file. If you're not, if you're familiar with make, I have a make file that can. Uh, if you have the story file and uh, and the Infocom source disk uh, in the directory, you can type make, and it'll produce a new Infocom or a new game with the Infocom interpreter. Um, so it's pretty easy from that perspective. Um, like I said, it's probably. I was, I'm pretty sure it's technically uh, or legally piracy, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, uh, so I'm a little reluctant to just put it out there, I guess, but uh, it's not that difficult to do. I did, I did give you the commands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, no, it's man. something I'd like to look into, either the Scott Adams or the Infocom, uh, and and see about maybe porting it to Coco Three, so you could use the higher text modes, and then also for Nitrous Nine, because that'd be nice. Uh, having it on a Coco SDC where you've got an entire hard drive, 120 meg, you could write one heck of an adventure game in that much space. <laughs> That's sure. True. Oh, and just to tie it all together here, um, if you're familiar with the name Alan Cox, who's you know from the Linux world, or but uh, he uh, actually dabbles in the MC10, <laughs> 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 and uh, and he uh, he wrote a Scott Adams adventure interpreter for the MC10. Wow! And can do basically the same kind of project on the MC10 with the Scott Adams adventures. Oh, and, oh wow! <laughs> yeah, because a lot of those only required 16K, so that, that would work because they were cassette-based. Yeah, yeah. 
So, Whereas I think Infocom pretty well was was pretty well solid disc, and I think they used a good chunk of the disc for most of their adventures, so they were a bit bigger scale. Yeah. Yep. I'm look. I'm looking forward to listening to the rest of the interview now. At this point, too. Very yeah. cool. It's some uh, cool tales in there. I won't spoil any of them, but there's some there pretty you go. interesting there you stuff. Go. The, the right. other thing on the interpreters, which I didn't quite trace this one down yet. Uh, but as I was testing, uh, one of the interpreter, one of the games from the um, from the Color Computer Archives, when it comes up, um, of course, it's not true lowercase because it's the Coco, or at least not you know without your special version or whatever. But it does come up and, and displays the text with the you know, the inverted letters on some of them, whereas all the rest of them are all just pure uppercase. So I'm not really sure what it is that causes that one to be <laughs> in lowercase. Um, but if, if you want to hack that around and figure it out, maybe you can display them in lowercase on your Coco 2Bs or whatever. Um, Probably Coco 3 for that matter. Right, right. So, there's another challenge. That there sounds easier. Go. I might be able to handle that one. <laughs> forget which one. It was one of them. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to listening to the rest of of the podcast and everyone who's who's watching us now that is also your homework assignment if you haven't finished episode 30 of the coco crew podcast uh there is going to be a pop quiz next week <laughs> to review that content and even a guest uh, game review yes very nice very nice all right so have we beat the news to death So. You, all right, so we're gonna we're gonna run a commercial, and then we're gonna come back. We're gonna talk about um, our global events, which is gonna be right now um, Coco Fest, and it should be probably a short discussion right now. But we'll get more in depth as we get closer. And I think Grant, you said you had a question. When you said you had a question for Steve, is it for me or Mr. Bjork? Uh, for you, I'm sorry. All right, so we're gonna take a question. We'll come back. We'll get to Grant's question, and then we'll talk about uh, Coco Fest. So be right back, people. Hey everybody, this is Bill Noble, co-author of Nitrous 9. You are listening to Coco Talk Live, the leading live Coco Talk show. Good day, mates. This is Nick Marionettes, author of such color computer titles as Donut Disaster, Rupert Rhymes, and Rockstar Pilot. And I am here today to tell you about the world's most fabulous operating system, OS9. OS9 and its <laughs> current incarnation Nitrous 9 is the most advanced operating system ever created. And what makes it so good? Ease of use. I find OS9 so incredibly intuitive that I haven't once cracked open the user manual. And yet I've been able to create such incredible games faster than the time it takes to sing Walsing Matilda. Using OS 9, I expect my next game, Funstar, will be done this weekend and distributed exclusively on ROM cartridge. OS 9 forever. Any resemblance to actual events to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. There we go. A little testimonial there for OS 9. <laughs> that that, that guy would sue. That never gets old. <laughs> with with the um, Curtis's uh, EU version of OS Nine, I purposely didn't read the manual. I wanted to see. <laughs> so so that part's true. Um, 
I wanted to see how ease of use is it if I don't read the manual. And uh, yeah, it, it works fine. So far, Even so I good. Can do it. Now, that's the biggest testimonial I've ever heard. Thank you. There yes. you go. By the way, I'm really liking your shirt there, Grant. We could be twinsies right now. Yes. <laughs> so uh, anybody who wants to grab themselves a Coco Talk t-shirt right now, 20% off if you use promo code. Uh, we're waiting for it to come up on the screen here. Sale 2017. All right. So what is your you question? You have those um, propeller hats he's got as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's going to be a, that's going to be a prize for the second person to complete Force of Doom. <laughs> and the second prize is an MC10. <laughs> <laughs> Without the expansion pack. Is that the is that the penalty for cheating? Instead of the douche mug, we're going to give him an MC10. <laughs> There you go, cheater. <laughs> there you go. There's your fruitcake. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got for us, Grant? Well, I have a question. I think you mentioned it last week that you uh, purchased a, uh, a joystick for the Coco Pie. I was just wondering how that, that uh, went, and is it worth uh, buying that one? <laughs> <sighs> well, let's put it this way. The joystick paired was easily. <laughs> the joystick paired. Now, that's one thing that uh, I'd like to talk to Ron Klein about is maybe putting that in the menu because we had to kind of Google what the command was to get the pairing of the joystick. The joystick paired, and it paired with no problem. My first test of the joystick found it to be not centered or calibrated, uh, so I need to play with that. And kind of my go-to first thing I check is Polaris. And if I can move everything around with, with fluid precision, then I know I've got a good controller. Um, and I found that when I was dead center, I couldn't get to the top or the bottom. It was very off kilter and so I can't blame that on Coco Pie. I have to do some testing of the controller to see if it's the controller itself or if there are things in MAME that need to be done to to kind of calibrate it and figure out what the dead zones and center zones are and stuff like that. Um, but the pairing of the controller was not difficult. Cool. So buy or don't buy or wait? Uh, I would say wait on this particular model because I don't know. Now, Ron Klein swears about the Wii U Pro Controller, which is like a Bluetooth version of an Xbox 360 one. And he has used it. Um, Rick Adams says he's used it and it worked, but he just found the, um, you know, the actual control. He didn't like the controller, but he didn't mention it didn't center or anything like that. So... Uh, I think the verdict is still out because, again, I don't know, is it is it the controller, not the right controller, or do I have to figure out some settings? So uh, on my particular model, the verdict is not in, but um, in general, the process works. Great. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. All right. So we are going to be featuring news and events from around the world. And uh, it used to be that we had an annual migration. We now have basically a semi-annual migration because in addition to um, Coco Fest, which is our once a year trip, we now also have Tandy Assembly. But, you know, we're looking at, what, four months away from Coco Fest, roughly four or five months away? Five, five yeah. Yep. And we at least have the dates of Coco Fest. And it should be noted that Coco Fest was kind of the inspiration for Coco Talk. Um, this year, actually, it was around late March when we started Coco Talk in anticipation of going to this year's Coco Fest. Uh, and so the, in order to get to information of Coco Fest, you can go to glensideccc.com, which is the Glenside Color Computer Club. Also links there on my, uh, I'm a coconut links page. So we have the dates now, right? April 21st and April 22nd of 2018. So it's always been roughly around the same time. 
Uh, we have some of the uh, cost. Uh, the two-day event is $15 to get in. Uh, it is at the same location at the Heron Point Convention Center where you can touch the Heron. And we have the special overnight room rate of roughly $100 per night for the room. And we've got the phone number here, 630-629-1500. Mention Glenside Coco Fest. Um, and, and I think that helps, right? So it is a, it's, you know, you could call your travel agent and it's not necessarily about saving the money. It's really more about letting the club get the credit for bringing the people into the door. Um, it just helps them kind of get the points with the event so they know that it was worthwhile for them to have this event. So I don't think we've got anything else um, right now as far as speaker lineups or presentations or anything like that. Probably uh, a bit too soon for that. But there you have it, the next event and what we will be talking more about as time goes on and as information is released is uh, what's going to be happening this year at Coco Fest and what's the, if there going to be a theme, etc., etc., etc. This is uh, the 27th annual last Chicago Coco Fest. So that's impressive in itself right there. And I was just going to ask a quick question. Steve Bjork, uh, did you help Glenside decide, design their site, or were you hosting it or something at some point? Uh, I designed it, and I'm also hosting it. Oh, okay. I thought that was correct. So. Mm-hmm. All right. So based on who's in the panel right now, who thinks they're going to go or would at least try to go if they can? Curtis I'm Boyle. Going. Ron DelVo is going to be there. It'd be great to I meet want, you in person, Ron. I want to go. I want to go. I want to go. I want to go. Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy. Hopefully we can get Curtis to uh, carpool. I mean, I get uh, Bill to carpool with Curtis. All right. Hopefully. Are you guys yeah. close close enough to each other in driving distance of each other? Yeah, we're about, what, 65, 70 miles apart? Yeah. Not bad. It'd be cool if you can get Dwayne to come, too. <laughs> That's a bit more slim. His, his work schedule where he's flying all over literally the world these days doing installs and tech support. It's uh, hard to get him pinned down. Yeah. I believe so, David Ladd's going. David Ladd will be going. I'm, hopefully the Coco crew will be there. Uh, if for some reason I'm not there, please call the Alamance County Health and Human Services to approve. <laughs> <laughs> what color alert is this? Is this a nuclear green alert that we have to call on? <laughs> Code green. We can't find John Linville. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to get with Tony or who's ever in charge of the event. They have 2017 information up, not 2018. Yeah, the uh, the additional pages are not up to date, but the first page is. So. Yeah. Usually we're lucky to get it all updated by the day before the event. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Considering that I made their website have ease of use. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they log John in and they can edit it right there on the screen. Right. Uh, the old way of doing it was somebody would have to FTP up the files. Right, right. If you can create some type of DynaCalc in interface, then maybe they could do it from their Coco 3 and might speed up the process. I guess I add an ease of use DynaCalc to the... <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually, Curtis, it's there. It's just missing one file. Yeah, I know. I tried running it and it crashed. Yeah, it's missing the dynacalc.term file. Yeah, I think Dynastar is on there, too, if I remember. Yeah, cool. And maybe uh, John Linville can answer this question. Uh, 
any movement on uh, PayPal prepaying or uh, using credit cards at the auction? <laughs> um, well, it's been mentioned to them at their monthly meetings, um, and it's sort of been hand waved over to somebody supposedly looking at it. Um, okay. Now, I, I related to them that when I looked at it for Tandy Assembly, I had it set up within 20 minutes. Uh -huh. um, but that did not seem to convince anyone. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I basically made the same plea at the, at the end of last year's show. Um, and I emailed Tony and the treasurer and a few other people. Um, but what can you do? You know, all you can do is inform. You can lead the horse to water, I suppose. <laughs> now, now you got to remember for over 25 years, a quarter of a century, what has worked has worked. <laughs> yeah, but they're a little bit outdated now. Yeah. Well, the, the, you got to remember, it's a convention for an outdated computer. It's Everything true. else has got to be outdated. Yeah. <laughs> it's part of the theme. They're sensibly open to the idea. They are modernizing a few things. They've got um, uh, someone working on modernizing their database access, so hopefully you you won't have to be um, logged in you know, at the actual Coco updating the spreadsheet to, uh, there in line at, at the Coco Fest or whatever, uh, although uh, maybe that'll still be there. but <laughs> um, so yeah, they they are hoping to uh, update a few things. Uh, it's kind of slow going some some ways, um, but uh, I don't know. I, I haven't paid as much attention to organizing uh, Coco Fest because, as you know, I was sort of involved in something else for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, blogging about Infocom, wasn't it? Yeah, that, part of it too. Um, but but yeah, I, I mean they are aware of these things, and uh, at least some lip service to changing them. I'm not really sure when the progress will occur. I, I did encourage them to go ahead and get the, uh, you know the um, the card reader for on-site use of the of the cards, or whatever. Um, I, I hope they noted that at least in their minutes. But um, beyond yeah. that, I'm not sure. Well, I think it would help the auction too, because yes. again, you know, not everybody carries cash or significant amounts of cash and um, it would help with impulse buys and it would help them sell more things. Um, yeah, I know, I, know, I know on the one hand it's real easy to nitpick about what they aren't doing, but let's not forget what they are doing and what they have done now for 27 years. They've maintained an annual event. It's one that I am going to. It's one that I'm looking forward to. I don't want to take any way, anything away from that. You know, it's the thing is there's so much good about it. It's just easier to nitpick the two or three things that we wish were gooder. <laughs> well, you yeah, know, I mean, one, one thing is seriously. You know, a lot of us don't use it anymore. We hate seeing it when somebody does it at the grocery store. But you can bring your frickin' checkbook. <laughs> I've been told by one or two vendors they don't like taking Canadian checks because it's a pain in the ass at the bank. Rank, rate of conversion and stuff, right? Okay. Yeah, but the, the other problem is taking cash with you, especially if you're traveling, uh, if you're yeah. driving. Uh, it's very dangerous to carry large sums of cash like that. Yeah. So... There's one other issue that sometimes has been raised. I'm not sure how serious an issue this is, but they are officially organized as a, a not-for-profit. Um, and, um, you know, so they, they legitimately don't want to actually make a profit. Right. <laughs> or at least, uh, I guess it complicates their taxes and whatever else. Um, so uh, 
since they have essentially made or broke even as is, you know, the the idea of making more money on the auction is only so appealing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, so I don't know. I mean, okay. I yeah. It'd be, no. Well, that's probably one of the reasons why they haven't raised their uh, rates for admission in, what, 20 years? Yeah. Actually, yeah. I think they reduced them over the time because I think yeah. it was more expensive. Yeah. It's uh, fifteen bucks for two days. Yeah, I can't. Yes. I can't even park anywhere around here for two hours <laughs> for fifteen bucks. Yes, 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 yes. All right. Well, I think we're coming closer to the end of the show now. We have gone over our news. We've gone over our primary topic. We've plugged the event of the week. So maybe one more commercial, then we'll get into some closing thoughts in plugs and anything else. So if there's anything you haven't said yet that you want to say, have it ready, have it fresh on the tip of your tongue, and we'll be right back after these announcements. Hi, this is Randy Kindig of the Foppy Days Podcast. I just love me some cocoa, and nobody covers it better than Steve Strobridge. You're listening to Coco Talk. We're traveling through a dimension both of sound and ideas. We're at a place where the mind can comprehend and devise a solar radio, a wireless transmitter, measure time and light. 65 electronic projects brought to reality with this science fair kit. Astonishing, perhaps, but you can find it for Christmas for $17.95 in a place that's known as Radio Shack. Radios, stereos, recorders, everything in sound. Picture, if you will. <laughs> Love that commercial. Love that. I hadn't seen that one commercial. before. That's cool. Yeah, very cool. So, closing thoughts. I'd like to say once again, uh, I am thankful for the color computer community. I'm thankful for everybody who has donated their time and energy to not only be a part of the show every week, but to also, most recently. We're having a lot of planning and production meetings. Uh, it's coming up with ideas to improve the show and just to fine-tune it. So uh, I'm thankful for everybody who's a part of it, both on the panel and in the audience. And so thank you all for that. It, it literally warms my heart that we have people who are this interested in, in what we're doing here, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. Yeah, and I'd like to uh, express my gratitude to Steve here for all the improvements he's done that you can even see on the screen right now, like the bug in the corner that if you're just watching a podcast later on, you'll know exactly what episode you're on, what date it was from, the title of the show, in case you forgot. Um, and, and just, you know, he, going through all the turmoil of getting your, your bandwidth problems fixed by having to switch to a different internet service provider, but that seems to have resolved itself. And then you've got a lot of other stuff that you didn't have time to finish for this episode, but there's a lot of work you're putting into it, and I think we all appreciate that. Yes, very much so. And, and although here in Australia we don't have Thanksgiving's Day, I'll, I'll pass my uh, thanks as well to the entire Coco community, which um, has been supporting the work of uh, a lot of other people in the community who are creating products. I mean, in my case, I did the Popstar pilot, so I'm very thankful for the support I had, I've had of all the uh, the people who purchased it. But we're seeing a, a trend where there's more people coming out creating programs or software, creating hardware. And the Coco community is showing their support by showing an interest and in buying it or whatever. So I think overall, thanks to the entire Coco community for supporting 
the community itself. It helps it grow, it makes it healthy, and it just grows. I've been seeing on the Facebook group, there's a lot of new Coco users out there, or Coco users who, people who used to have a Coco have found a Steve's, um, um, this website, uh, this live chat, and discovered the Facebook and just see the enthusiasm that the entire community is putting towards it. So thanks to the community. Agreed. Agreed. I'm thankful Definitely. that Alan Huffman finally found a podcast, even if it wasn't mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, my Lord. Oh, and can I just also <laughs> throw up the uh, Popstar Pilot commercial just to let people know that I've, uh, it, it, I still have copies available for uh, sale. Um, so I've just got the, um, the commercial queued up here, if I can just play that, just to let people know that Christmas is coming. Um, By all means. That's right. I'll just uh, put it up there. that They are still available, especially to all those new users out there. Um, you can purchase it. And um, this is the, um, the screen coming up now. I don't know. Can you see that as yet? Yes, we can. All right. Now, there's no sound, so I haven't shared the audio yet. Flicker-free um, graphics. Yeah, that's right, except that it's just paused. <laughs> I, think, I think David Ladd broke it. <laughs> there you go. So, yep, this is the game I developed um, for anyone who's new to it. I developed it a year ago, and it's um, been a very good seller that... Um, has prompted me to continue working on the color computer and I'm going to create more programs and I think it's also encouraged um, a few other people, uh, shows that there is a, a market for games. So we're seeing the fruits of that by all programs like uh, Forest of Doom and uh, the other wood chopping game, I can never remember the names. Timberman. Um, yeah, it's, it's right. It, it, it's good to see this sort of healthy community um, going. So. As far as my Popstar Pilot, oh, sorry, it, it still is available and just uh, email me or go to my website and you'll get all the details there if it's still there. Um, besides, I need the Christmas money. So, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to mention, Nick, I mean, this, this, this game Popstar for you reversed the trend. Like sales of your last few games, sales were going down as the market petered out, you know, between Pac-Man yeah, and yeah, Daycrafter. Right. And this reversed it. This actually shot back up. Totally, that's right. I mean, I thought, well, you know, the color computer community is dying off. It's, you know, inevitable. It's an old computer. How long can it last? I only started programming, programming it because I just had a few new ideas. And I thought, what the hell, you know, I don't care if anyone doesn't buy it. I just want to see if I can do it. As it turned out, it just became very, you know, it turned out as I expected and people supported it and bought it. So, that's that's convinced me that there is a market and we're seeing the fruits of that from more people now developing software and hardware i mean overall the entire community is healthy yep i agree you should take a look at the um show us your tandy color computer on facebook um there's a guy on there uh glenn taylor who uh has a quite a healthy collection the coco tv you mean 
No, no, he's talking about no, not the. You're talking about Glenn Taylor, not Roger Taylor. Oh. Yeah, 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 Glenn. yeah, so yeah, Ron Klein has got a group. Now here, here's something funny, right? So it was brought up, um, and I'm not going to beat an old horse, but this is interesting. So we have the Color Computer Facebook group, which is a, a social media community. Yet Ron Klein has uh, Ron Klein, uh, Ron Delvaux yeah. has come up with uh, an OS9 group. And he's even come up with another group that's called Show Us Your Tandy Color Computer, where people can just post nothing but cocoa pics. And I think they're both great additions. But, um, you know, one of, the, one of the topics was, well, are we going to divide and fragment? Are there too many resources or too many things? And I think this is a good example of how, no, not necessarily. I mean, Facebook is Facebook. If you can't figure out how to manage more than one group, then, you know, maybe you shouldn't use technology. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think I think these are great additions to the Color Computer Group because Color Computer Group is kind of like a general chat. Uh, and, yes, people do throw pictures, but it's nice to have this one area that just becomes like, you know, people's personal collections in a group to its own. So check that one out too. Show us your Tandy Color Computer Group on Facebook. If I don't have it on I'm a Coconut, I need to get it there. I know I've got the OS9 group there, so we might need to update that website. Um, and, and, and that's a good um, website for promoting it to new people, people outside of the community, find it and look at it and see all these pictures, they'll gain an interest in the color computer. They say, oh, yeah, I used to have one of those or, you know, I collect computers. This one looks like it's a good one to collect looking at all the pictures. So it does have a different audience, um, which could be beneficial to the community as a whole in the long term. Right, right. Now, did that replace the Ron's Garage group, Ron, or is Ron's Garage still there too? Well, Ron's Garage is more for me to post from. You know, okay. so I have a record and so I can find stuff because a lot of times when you, uh, you know, when you try to contribute with different um, uh, groups and stuff, you kind of lose track of like, uh, where, where's my black computer? Where's my, uh, you know, this or that? So if I uh, post it from um, the Ron's Garage, then um, I know where stuff is. You know, I can search in that. But otherwise, if, if I didn't have that and I just posted here and there, it's tough to find stuff that you uh, posted and and remember stuff or bring it up again or whatever. Very cool. Well, we certainly appreciate your added contributions to the community. Yep, yeah. Yep. And I have a couple things I would like to mention. First of all, make sure that if you haven't joined the uh, Discord group, uh, it is open. So make sure you join. There's a lot of good information in there. Uh, also, if you haven't subscribed to the Coco Talk uh, YouTube channel, we're only three away from 100 subscribers. So oh, let's try wow. to let's try to break that before next week. Oh wow! Look at that, the Coco Talk YouTube channel. I haven't even been paying attention to that. Very cool <laughs> stuff. Yeah, there's been a lot of good late night discussions on there on virtually every topic under the sun. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the yeah. moon too. <laughs> I'm and on that I... same note, uh, there is a uh, we've gotten a couple viewer feedbacks from Discord and also from the uh, uh, I'm a Coco Nut uh, email address. Uh, so we will try to get to those questions here probably in a few weeks once things settle down after the holidays and add those to the show as well. Very cool. Should probably say hi to everybody who's been watching us in the live chat now too. So Steve Powell has been in the live chat. So has Ron Klein and Stu Kenley. 
and Tom C. was in there. Steve Powell was in there. Fedor stopped by. Uh, and who else is in the live chat right now? Coco Man came by. And Coco Man also says that I have um, Steve to blame for my rekindled interest in the Coco. And Alexander Wallace uh, also just jumped in and uh, from Mexico. Hello, Alexander. And Tom C. says, thanks, thanks to Steve and company for another great show. So, yeah, I think we kept the show on target. We kept it tight. And I want to thank everybody who watched and everybody who was here. Uh, as far as upcoming events and things to plug, I'll just, just throw out there again that December 16th will be the Forest of Doom second mug giveaway and probably live stream too so we're probably going to live stream some gameplay as well as go over who won the second round of the contest of the next mug for forest of doom so that's my plug for an upcoming show anybody got anything they want to plug for next week or in general uh yeah i do uh anyway i i was kind of quiet about uh current projects going on but i have three of them going on and I don't. I, I just have code names for them because I just don't want to go into like uh, creature uh, uh, or feature creep or yeah. Uh, but one of them I should uh, should have a lot of lot of news next week. I'm calling it Project Mercury, and then I have one called Tin Can, and I have one called Boomerang. 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 Right. Yes. Nick will like that one. Yep. Boomerangs <laughs> when you throw an MC10 and it comes back, right? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. but, uh, but I have production that's made for Mercury right now, and uh, once they get in, I'm going to put them together, see if they work, and uh, hopefully by next week I'll have some news about that one. Very cool. Hey, Steve? Yes, Mark. Oh, uh, yeah, I was just going to say, Tom C. Had, had joined the Discord chat just this last week, and he is saying he has listened to all of our episodes so far, and I think he's listened to a bunch, most of the uh, um, Coco uh, crew as well. And he all said right. he's really gotten to know us very well, you know, all, all the people that chip in and all that. So it's kind of like and he, uh, and he's still hanging around, huh? Yeah, he's still yeah, hanging right. around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So probably, probably 33 out of the 34 shows. <laughs> You're probably saying, that's four hours of my life I can never get back. <laughs> oh, that's great. No, that's great. We're glad to have you, Tom. And, um, and you know, you're always welcome to join us on the Skype call, too. We let David Ladd on, so obviously we've got very low standards here. Uh. <laughs> oh, there was one other news thing I, I forgot to mention was because uh, I, I was ordering a new batch of uh, 6309 processors, and apparently something's going on in China. The, they have a lot, of, a lot of the distributors out there have raised their prices on it, and I have no idea why. But I managed mm. to get mine at the same price, and mm. uh, but I'm actually cheaper than some of the suppliers out in China. Wow! Yeah, mm, which that's is interesting. Yeah, really interesting. Good what for are, you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what are the prices going up to? Uh, some of them are going up to two to three dollars each, and I'm I'm still holding at two ninety nine. Supply and demand. Supply yeah. and demand. So the and then, and then you add you add shipping on that too. It's 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 almost cheaper to get it through me, and you don't have to wait two weeks for it as as well. Or but the poor chip week. doesn't get its nice boat ride that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. it did it one time. 
So I'll warn you guys in advance, there is a new outro clip too, which is featuring a, a very cool track that Bruce Moore has donated to the show. And it's a little bit long, but I think the music itself is really good. It's about a two and a half minute outro clip. And for about the first minute or so of it too, you're going to hear my annoying voice kind of running some credits and thank yous too. So this is going to be the first time you guys are going to hear and see it. And after hearing after hearing and seeing it, you might say, okay, we need to cut that down. So we'll, we'll find out. But I did spend uh, a decent amount of time on it. And I think the music itself is worth listening to in its entirety because it's a great kind of grooving track that Bruce has donated to the show. Um, all right. And on that note, anybody got anything else before we uh, wrap up episode 35? I'll do my last of- little plug. My haunt hackers that I do for people that want to make uh, handmade props, props that talk, stuff like that. Go to ha- haunthackers.com or just do a Google search. That's it. All right. I very thought good. I somebody else. Ron, were you getting ready to say something? Yeah. Did uh, On my uh, Show Us Your Tandy Color computer, there was a uh, box that somebody put up that um, in Australia. Tandy sold a uh, um, Color Computer 3 and a couple of joysticks and a cassette player all in one unit. Um, has anybody? Anybody ever seen that before? Yeah, it's the first time I ever saw it. It's Nick, got, Nick showed it to us before. Uh, it also includes oh. my donut dilemma, if I recall. Yeah, yeah. In the software. Yeah, it's interesting. It's an it's an interesting little package. I, I've seen that once before, though. Yeah, but it's, that's not that's something I've seen very often. And yeah, I've only seen recently. That's too bad. Tandy didn't do that elsewhere, like in the states and Canada. And yeah. Okay, hey, Bruce, nice Bruce Moore is calling in. You want to you want to let Bruce on the show right before we end there? Our Skype engineer Grant Leedy. <laughs> <laughs> Working overtime now. He's got the hat. He's just going for the <laughs> for the uh, credits. Get his name on the credits this week. Yes. As long as he doesn't ask, what you guys been talking about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, what's the, what's what's the topic this week? Yeah. Stay on target. Stay on target. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna, I'm not sure if Bruce is going to join us, but we're going to go ahead and run the outro credits. So uh, prepare to be assaulted with the music. Yeah, he can comment on it afterwards since he wrote the yeah. song if he gets All home. right. Here we go, people. Thank you for watching Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. If you love the color computer like we do, then visit imacoconut.com for all your color computer needs. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, we'd love for you to visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash OG Stevie Stroh. Coco Talk would not exist without the community and its cast and crew. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Rick Adams, Ron Del Lowe, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Nick Marentes, Karen Anscombe, Simon Jonason, 
Wayne Campbell, Steve Batson, John Strong, and Barry Nelson. Special thanks to Steve Bjork for production suggestions. Stay on target, everyone. Please help support the Color Computer community by visiting some of its contributors. The Coco Crew Podcast at cococrew.org. Glenside Color Computer Club, host of Coco Fest at glensideccc.com. Jim Brain and Retro Innovations at go, the number four, retro.com. Tandy Assembly at tandyassembly.com. Cloud9 Technologies at cloud, the number nine, tech.com. Well, that's the outro, and technically the show should be over right now. But Bruce is here. Bruce, how are you? Hey, yeah, I just tuned in just in time to catch the outro. How I'm good. How was the show? Uh, the show was good, I think. What do you guys think? Was the show good? Yeah, I think it was good. Well. Yeah, it was great. Stay on target. But Stay you know what? Uh, do, you, do you remember the, the cartoon, uh, the Bugs Bunny cartoon with Daffy Duck was on, on stage, and he was doing his song and dance routine? He was he was just giving it his all and right at the end you know what happened no crickets <laughs> <laughs> i had to play it sorry yeah no but it was right. an ex- excellent outro very cool all right well we're gonna go off the air live now so thank you all for watching this concludes coco talk episode 35 All right, and we're off the air, but we're still recording in case any bonus content happens to. So, so now, what did you itself. really, what did you really think of the show? <laughs> I think it went pretty smooth. Well, it's amazing yeah, yeah. how it goes without David Ladd. <laughs> oh, wow! Two and a half hours, two hours and twenty-eight minutes. That was still recording, right? <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> Just not live. <laughs> So that was a that was that was a fairly tight show. I think we could, you know, uh, we didn't have a, a a big segment. We didn't have a lot of news, but um, I could see how this could stretch itself. But I like the idea of keeping it compressed. If there were more news segments, it might run longer. Um, but not bad. I think for our first time of consciously trying to be tight, we were fairly tight. Yeah, I and you can it. adjust the size of each segment depending on the content that week too. So yeah. one can get shorter, one can get longer, just depending. Yep. Okay. Now, whoever brought the cereal, are you going to share that with everybody else? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was the one eating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I liked it because it, it kept going. 
I mean, it was very fluid, and it, it there wasn't uh, it, it it didn't go wandering off too too much. So no puppy talk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So and and then I love the bumper music. I I liked how we went into the co- uh, the commercials, and that outro was just awesome. Yeah, I like the outro. Was there was there too much talking on the outro? Because I felt like for the audio version of this, some of those things needed to be. Oh heard, no, but no, was it, it was. I, I, I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Okay. People yeah, the one I skip the, the podcast I did an outro for for uh, Cord Killers. They did the same thing. They talked and recited a bunch of stuff at the beginning too, and then you just have credits and stuff rolling. So they did pretty well, exact same thing you did. Mm-hmm. People can skip it if they want to on the playback, you know. Yeah. yeah. I, I just need to work on my website so you know it could be mentioned because right now it's just a kind of a skeleton. Yeah, yeah, and I'm right. happy to throw that in there. Oh yeah, uh, and of course I'm going to have to spend more time motivating you, like get those damn bugs done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, yeah, they're, they're, yeah. That's at, at this point, I've done so much stuff between the intro and the outro and um, a bunch of other things. Now, the bugs will take the least amount of time. So, yep. um, the bugs and then updating the calendar on the website and just keeping that maintained, I think, are the last two main um, items that we talked about. Well, what yeah. you're missing is yeah. the Ferris Bueller style thing at the end where you come on and say, Are you still here? Yeah. That would be good. That actually would be good. Now, do we do the actual clip from Ferris Bueller or do we do a, uh, <laughs> we do one of David Ladd in his house? No, the, the, the copyright, <laughs> the copyright <laughs> police are here. We no, clone no. it. We do our own. We do yeah. our yeah. own. Yeah. 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 Hey, David Ladd in his house coat. I like that. David Ladd in a in a freaking robe and bunny slippers. <laughs> yes. Yes. With a pipe or something. Yeah. You know, like a towel around his head for his keeping his hair drying his yeah, hair. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I had a question about your Patreon account. It just says a dollar per post. So every post you do, you get charged a dollar or I have can no you idea. do a, can I, I you do a one time contribution? Honestly, I don't know how the hell the damn thing works. I set it up because I thought it was... I don't believe Patreon allows you to do a single contribution, does it? No. It's a weekly thing, as far as I knew. Or monthly. I think it's like monthly. Up to it's m- monthly. To- yeah. yeah. Now, what I don't know, too, is like, can you say, well, I just want to donate for one month? Or if you say, I want to do, if I want to do $5 a month, have you basically signed up for an, 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 at least a you, year? You can shut it off. On that? You can mm-hmm. shut it off. Yeah. Okay. Like, if somebody wants to contribute, you know a dollar a month or whatever and they want to do for five months because they want to contribute five bucks that is one way to get around the fact you can't do a single one-time transaction but you have to remember to shut it off otherwise it just keeps pulling <coughs> money from you steve is a dependent <laughs> can you claim me <laughs> as a dependent um as, as long as i get to inherit all your cocos <laughs> and I, i'm not saying i want anything bad to happen to you but i just want to make sure i take good care of those cocos <laughs> well see you know with the patreon what other people have told me about this thing is what you want to do is generally keep them happy because all it takes is for you to screw them a little bit and all of a sudden everybody gets in there and remember hey i've been donating to that creep yeah Right, right. And this is where I think like segments like this are are before shows and are after shows. I could edit those down on a private channel and just post those for the Patreon people to be like, you know, behind the scenes as one Mm -hmm. thing that's uh, a a benefit to anybody. Bonus content. Are are you doing any uh, uh, Patreon rewards like a lot of them do, where if you contribute a certain amount, you get a 
Yeah, I, listen, I don't know how this stuff works. You guys help me out with this. So uh, I'm open to suggestions. Right now, I just started the page. I don't, I have no freaking idea. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of the Patreon things will have it's like if you contribute, say, 25 cents a week or something like that, they'll give you, uh, I don't know, an autograph poster yeah. or something and then if you contribute more then you might get a free you know piece of software once a year or something like that written by one of the contributors or something like that and they just have these escalations the more right. you contribute the more you know bonus stuff you get maybe a free copy of force of doom or something like that you can yeah. work it out with some of the the providers the right to buy the whole team dinner at coca fest uh, that'd be good <laughs> yeah, there you go. yeah. all right yeah, I mean, again, I we had this conversation. I feel douchey asking for anything, but I think I'm, almost everybody's doing it, and it almost seems like, it, it, as weird as it sounds, it almost seems like it's legitimizing when you have one because... ...have hosting sites, so... <laughs> So, and the hard thing with the, your your swag shop too is that you have to keep coming up with new swag because once everybody gets, you know, their initial coffee cups or t-shirts, or whatever, you're not going to buy keep buying one every couple months. So you have to have something new all the time. So it's a bit easier with Patreon, which is to you know kind of a donation. True, true. There are other true. colors though. <laughs> Lots of colors. Yeah, and you can go from a t-shirt to a mug to a mouse pad. I could design you up something new too if you want. Yeah. We can figure out something. And uh, we should a couple of extra um, Dungeons uh, of Daggereth. Yeah. That uh, I could uh, donate to uh, some kind of a thing if you want to uh, have some kind of a tough question, maybe from the book that uh, was made. You know, <clears throat> that we could have like a challenge for the show and then in the next show. Say who won, you know, the game or whatever. Oh, have a trivia challenge. Yeah. I was thinking about that. That could be kind of fun, actually. Yeah, yeah it was some, fun when we did it at the fest. To the next program to find out who won. Yeah, you but you, you just did one two. question one question per show kind of thing. And you, that could be the trivia segment or something. And I have some mind roll, too. <laughs> I got about four of them babies. Yeah, I so, think the pr the problem becomes right now because like Grant mentioned, you know, there's people chatting in Discord. How are we going to know to? I, I'm not going to know to watch Discord, but that's why I'm glad. I guess I'm glad there's more than one set of eyes looking at these things here. Um, there, hasn't, kinda, there hasn't been really any activity in Discord in the last little bit. I've been popping over every so often. Okay, okay. So that's just the thing. Like the only thing I'm going to be able to watch is going to be the YouTube chat. Uh, I'll tell you what's on my screens right now. So you you, you see, uh, is my screen sharing still working anymore? Nothing. It seems nope. like my screen sharing keeps coming and going. But I see um, the YouTube live chat. Not only do I see that in my XSplit scene, because I have that green bar on the side, but I've also got my little laptop here just beneath chin level that I look down. And I kind of bounce between different tabs. So I watch the live chat, and then I go over and I look at the outline to see where we are within the outline. So I'm kind of bouncing between those tabs. And then on my left monitor, I can see the sidebar text chat in the Skype group. But that's really the only um, additional information I'm going to be able to see. So that's where I would rely on Curtis and Mark to, um, you know, be on top of any other things. But honestly, the people, where, where is this information should be coming from? The people watching should be the main source of chat. And then we should just have one other, <coughs> like our own sidebar chat. 
what yeah, I meant the main by, chat yeah. should be on YouTube because it's actually recorded. That's the main yeah, right, yeah. main thing we want to do. What it's I was talking about uh, Discord was there was a question that was posted in Discord for the show. Okay. For us to cover okay. for uh, music. For okay, yes, yes. Brian, Brian, Brian Joyce. Right. 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 right and then we also topic. got a email, too, from uh, somebody else. Yeah, that was uh, uh, Pierre? Pear? I believe so. Pear Surratt or Pear, one of those two. But yeah, talking about doing a, a rainbow episode, right? Yeah, history of Lonnie Falcon. Well, the, yeah, that's that actually that should have been mentioned in the feedback section. So you guys got to remind me of that next time. So even if we don't cover the topic, it's still feedback, and we should try to acknowledge feedback uh, near real time. You know, within a yep. timely basis, anyways. So good enough. Lessons learned. Yep, it's a, it's a work in progress. I mean, we're adding a lot of new stuff and changing things around. So we'll gradually learn what works and what what doesn't. Yeah. yeah. We might also want to um, say that uh, we're still working on the Color Computer magazine to be printed by the time we get to um, the Computer Fest. So, okay, and we'll need um, content for that. Okay, still. I know um, uh, probably the Doom. Um, we're going to get something from uh, for the Doom stuff who, about who me, but you know we need other stuff. People want to contribute. Maybe a new commercial, maybe. Life stories, whatever. You know, stories yeah. about how they got into their cocoa. And it's then uh, we also talked about putting listings in there. So I don't know how Program we Program listings. Yeah, I don't know how we would decide which ones would go in there. but I mean, in the modern day age, I would put, make them pretty small ones. like Yeah. Because nobody's going to take the time exactly. to type them all in these days. You mean just three pages? <laughs> how about like one and one and two liners yeah 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 you can go a little bit beyond that if you're trying to four, do a teaching moment or something lines. but yeah you don't want the big you know eight page nine page 32k required ones we used to get in the old days you just go download those you might have a link yeah oh i figured out patreon there is a way you can cap it um per month and you can go into the pledge edit and you can edit it out so, because most of them start at one dollar per post, and you can cap it to like one or two or three or whatever per month. So, um, so I just set it for one per month. Mm-hmm. <coughs> what does I mean, I'll just give Steve mean? some funny Canadian money when I see him at the fest. So, yeah. yeah. But hey, getting back to the uh, in the magazine, doing the uh, issues that that. Color computer mouse program that I had in there that some that people typed in. You wouldn't believe how many people wrote to me that uh, via Rainbow and Rainbow then forward the letters to me about um, you know That's cool. To hear. They're they're typing it in and they're going it's not working and then obviously what's happened is they made a mistake. But of course. They didn't make a mistake. It was a mistake in my coding. And um, all I can do is tell them, hey, look, it originally worked, and I verified that the print was correct. I need you to do the same. I need you to verify. And they go, well, can't you just send me the program? (laughs) (laughs) Well, in modern times, that would be easy enough. I guess back then you could have done it maybe on CompuServe or BBS. but Mm -hmm. All over snail mail, no less, too, at expensive <laughs> postage. Yeah. Well, that's the reason they, I don't they, think long they, listings would work these days because you would nobody would take the time. 
our attention spans are too short. Uh, most of them were most of them were asking for me to send them a cassette copy. Hmm. I'll tell you, when you're a kid, you have lots of time. <laughs> right. You can type it in twice. <laughs> yeah, I remember typing in the William Tell Overture from Color Computer News, and that was like nine or ten pages of like hex data statements. Yeah. And the, we had a few glitches that didn't sound quite right. <laughs> I, I felt like I did type mine in twice. <laughs> <laughs> At least. So, yeah, the, the local Color Computer Club that I belong to, before Rainbow started selling um, the listings on tape and listings on disc, they would have a few people actually sit down each month and type them in, and then they would distribute them to club members. Yep, we yeah, did we had that too in our club in uh, Toledo, Ohio. Yeah. We had a guy that uh, wrote music, too, and he would uh, always come to a club meeting and say, here's the music for this week, and pass out a disc to copy, and we'd copy them at the, the meeting. Mm -hmm. We also had software copying sessions, which weren't sanctioned by the club. <laughs> kind of like after you know the club met, we fire up the computer and sit there with yeah. Uh, we we had one one of the guys would bring new discettes, you know, cheap. And people wonder why I put such hard copy protection on my software. That's right. We didn't like you guys. <laughs> <laughs> But everybody yeah, picks that stuff out, don't they? Yeah, especially yeah. the sands of Egypt. Yeah. What's that you're showing there, Bruce? I don't know what he's showing there. Coco Talk episode and show notes. Okay. Uh, analog <laughs> Programmer's dream always signed on the Color Computer 3. Yeah. That must be the September 1986 rainbow. Get all these pictures in here. Oh, I, I saw it by Steve Dork there. <laughs> yeah. That was the demo. That was one of the several uh, contributors talking about the Coco 3 when it was first released. Huh. Very cool. All right. Well, I think this was uh, this was not a terrible show. So. Yeah, it was a nice moved change. You, moved <laughs> along nicely. <laughs> Very hey, cool. Steve, Steve Bjork, would you uh, autograph a, a, a floppy for me? <laughs> I'll say what I had to say before. Only legitimate ones. <laughs> <laughs> I almost got a copy of uh, Zaxxon. It was the cassette tape with the manual, and someone outbid me because I was going to Ask. I was going to send it to you to ask you if you could autograph because I was going to donate it to uh, Coco Fest at their auction. Oh, one mm -hmm. I would like to get is the original Datasoft release of Zaxxon, not the Tandy one, because that one I have not seen. I actually just bought a Zaxxon six months ago, Steve Bjorg's Radio Shack version. It was at mm. the uh, local pawn shop. So oh, I wow. thought, oh, I know who wrote that. I'm going to buy it, and I bought it. Did you say pawn? P-A-W-N. Okay, just checking. <laughs> <laughs> it's the accent. Huh. Was um, this in a bubble pack like this? 
it's in the bubble yeah. pack like that, but it's the yeah, yeah, kind of yeah, like that, this. This is that, Puyen, um, yeah. Now that's what I want. I want to get the Puyen as well to get a matching set, but I've got the Zaxxon one. Yeah, I have Zaxxon here too. I just don't have it handy in this room. But Steve, you know how many copies of Zaxxon was sold from Datasoft directly before Tandy took over sales? Uh, no, I don't. Oh, I'm just man. wondering how rare that would be because I've never seen one. I do know that the cassette sales were quite a large purchase. And, and the disc sales, course, because Tandy never sold a disc, I was wondering how many of those were sold too. And the reason why they didn't sell the disc was piracy. <laughs> Plain and simple. Yeah, because you can't pirate a cassette? <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's just a, tape. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's just the cassettes, they didn't pirate it that much. Huh. But uh, when it came to the floppy disk, they did, and they just didn't want to do it. Most of it is thanks to Marty Goodman. Yeah, because I was always wondered about that because I mean the the opportunity of selling it directly through DataSoft, and when that was the only official Zaxxon on disk sold was through DataSoft directly, and that only that window of opportunity was only a couple months, so I didn't know how well they did. <laughs> I think okay, we weren't allowed to sell the cassette version, but we did continue to sell the disk version for a while. Oh, even after Tandy picked up the cassette version? Yeah. Oh, I wasn't aware of that, because I know the ads disappeared out of Rainbow within like two months. Well, there's no reason to advertise it anymore, because Radio Shack was going to have it in the magazine. Yeah, because to be honest, I mean, back in the day, if I'd known it was still available on disc, I probably would have ordered the disc version, just for convenience sake. Yeah. Yeah, I've got it, the disc version with a gold label and a signature that I picked up at a Cocoa Fest. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. I did. Someone might see that, John. Throw up a picture sometime. Yeah, I do. Did see pirated versions where they had photocopied the label and printed in black and white on a stickum label. Pirates can't so, take them anywhere. So, John, you're telling us that you have something that is not part of Ron's garage. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah, one of a kind, as far as I know. <laughs> uh, Steve, do you know anything about a, a program that Datasoft released uh, around the mid-80s? Um, it was uh, reality, what was it called again? That um, There's a series of it, and one of them was, was released for the color, was created for the color computer, but it was never officially released. Um, can you remember the alternate game? Alternate reality or something like that? Yeah, alternate reality. It was... Never released officially, but you know you can download it now. But what's the story behind that? Who who created that? Do you know? I mean, this is up after your time at DataSoft, yeah. though. But um, well, because of contracts and other things, I was not pretty to a lot of things going on because you know I was an ex-employee. I was developing my own color computer software, so I wasn't allowed. There were some things I did go in and help on. When they were trying to get Dallas Quest done. But um, no, after that, it was pretty much uh, just James Guerin um, and Humphrey? Humphrey, yeah. Right. Yeah, well, they were pretty much working on the color computer stuff. And once those two guys were gone, that was it for Coco. Yeah. Because it's an OS 9 program, I thought they'd want to release it, but it's not an OS 9 level 2. 
I was thinking that maybe by the time it came out, it wasn't really a Color Computer 3 OS 9 program and maybe Tandy weren't interested because it was completely done. It was all ready for release, but never made it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, During that time, there was a lot of stuff going on about limited space on the shelf and whether the software was going to be in the catalog or was it going to be special ordered where you had to go into the store and order the software. Uh, Datasoft tried that once with one program and the sales were miserable. I think that was, um, boy, I'm trying to remember the name of the game. Almost want to say Moon Crescent, but I don't think that's the right oh, Moon name. Shuttle? Moon Shuttle, that's it. And because um, that was, you know, their direct order or whatever, and the sales were absolutely miserable. Yeah, because Tandy never never sold that one. They sold Puyen and um, Zaxxon, and of course, Sands of Egypt and Dallas Quest, but they didn't sell Moon Shuttle. Like that was directly from Datasoft. Well, as I said, they, they did sell it, but it was through their special ordering program. You yeah, could was... go in the store, order it, and they would come in. And basically, they wanted all the software on consignment. Yeah, and they didn't really advertise their ordering service all that well, so nobody really knew about it. Exactly. So, uh, Datasoft didn't want to sit there with inventory at Tandy not making money. And there's no incentive for Tandy to sell it other than the fact that, yes, they got some money, but if they didn't, it didn't cost them anything. So. Yeah. I wish they'd handled that whole program differently because they sold hardware and software through that. You can get like the disto no-halt floppy controllers and stuff, but I don't know anybody that ordered it through Radio Shack. Everybody who knew about that kind of stuff third-party-wise was already getting it directly from the third party. And then Radio Shack wouldn't advertise this third-party stuff. If you happen to ask the manager, you know, if you knew about the program in the first place, then you could see the catalog, but it wasn't included anywhere. Yeah, see, all the other, you know, Atari and Apple and all Commodore and all that kind of stuff, there was distributors that would sell to the mom-pop computer stores and stuff like that. When it came to the Coco, there was none of that. You either went through Tandy or you strictly did mail order. Yeah. We did have one local shop here that did pick up a couple as an experiment, about 82, I think, summer of 82. Because there was a couple med system games came in, a couple Spectral Associates games came in, but uh, Coco people frequented Radio Shack. They didn't frequent the third party stores because they were traditionally selling Apple stuff, Atari stuff, Commodore stuff. So they didn't even think to go there. So their sales weren't that good. I mean, Dwayne and I happened to pick up a couple of games there just because we happened to wander in. We knew one of the guys that worked there, but it was not widely known. Yeah. Do you guys hear or remember Microcom? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, they were out of New York or something, or New York yeah, State? Yeah, Rochester, where I lived. <laughs> I even did uh, some signage for them. <laughs> but uh, they had, um, I think the guys were from India. They're Indian. Yeah, yeah they were yeah. East Indian. Yeah, I remember them. Very sharp. Yeah, they did Word Power and uh, a bunch of other things. Word Power yeah, I think, they, their main one. They survived through the magazines. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It, Steve, it was. I'm sorry, Steve. Did you um, do you have kids? Yes. Did did they um have color computers and 
were they users of your stuff? Uh, they came along a long time after the Coco didn't exist. Hmm. Okay. They played some of my games that were on the game console systems. Yeah. Like my my kids, uh, thirty. Well, I have a forty-three year old and a thirty-three year old, mm -hmm. and both of them played it. Um, the one was developmentally handicapped, so he didn't get it so well. You know, he didn't couldn't um, fathom it very well. But the uh, younger one, he played it a lot, and I I asked him recently if he would uh, <laughs> submit to a little, you know, write a little story about his experience with the machine when he was a kid. And he said he would, but he's been busy, so he hasn't got to it. But you should get a video of him playing some of this stuff, too. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that would be interesting to hear from him because, uh, you know, I had the stuff everywhere, and he was always around it. I have a picture of him when he was two banging on the keyboard, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting. He's a uh, millennial, I guess. You have him banging around the MC10 keyboard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, I'm going to sign off the call, and I'm also now going to end recording on this bonus segment here. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely, I, I can't thank all of you enough for um, all the time that we've been putting into the show and all the time we spent recently really just focused on next-level stuff. So thank you, guys. Mm -hmm. yep, Our no pleasure. Problem. I'm going to step You're out welcome. to here because I'm starving. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to the shops to buy a propeller hat like... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I have one. How that, should be, that should be your next game, Propeller Head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How long will it take for the you for the for it to be up on YouTube so I can see what happened? Uh well it's processing now and it takes a little bit of time. Last last week it never finished processing, it just glitched out. So we're gonna hope that oh. within an within an hour or so, hopefully. Okay, that's yeah, well, I, 